It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by. Hey guys! Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is uh, Justin over here in L.A. We've got Mike over in London. What's up, bro? Yo. Well, we've got a uh, we've got a big one today, Mike. Massive. 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 Uh, we've we've talked about doing something like this kind of for a long time. But but then I feel like the exact idea came up pretty recently and we just we had to do it. We could have waited, you know, six months or so to make it happen right when the next installment of this chapter of films we're about to talk about. But it's still not the last installment. True. It's part one of the last installment. And we're talking about the one and only Mission Impossible franchise. Tom Cruise, so many scenes of him running. What could be better? Um, And so today we're pretty much we're going to talk through all the movies we're then going to draft up a definitive list of a ranking for the Mission Impossible movies. And there truly was only one person in the world that we could call in for this. And we've just been waiting for the right moment to bring him back. He has a PhD in what we're about to talk about. And the only man to bring back. Dr. Action himself, Ian Fisher. Hello, my friend. Thank you guys for having me back. I could not be more excited to be talking about TC and MI. Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible, baby. Let's go. Let's fucking go. It's like (laughs) (laughs) July. This franchise has brought in $3.5 billion. This is a massive, massive movie franchise, and I love it. And it all started, what, 96? So we're going on. Wait, wait, wait. Can I ask a question first before you say it all started in 96? Okay, okay. Yes, please. Yes, please. Has anyone ever seen the TV show? I haven't. I haven't. You know what? For this podcast, I watched watched a couple scenes, and I watched the opening of the of the of the TV show. Um, It is pretty lame. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's 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 real um, seventies. It's real like trying to be American James Bondy. But mm-hmm. I will say that the light the fuse opening that started with Mission Impossible One mm-hmm. is used directly from the TV show. Right. So okay. they did influence it a bit. And that is obviously a very that is an iconic part of the fran the movie franchise. So we gotta give a lot of kudos to the show for giving us I that. mean I don't it's this and Bond that really have those kind of uh uh you know credit 
sequences still yes. in their franchise. I can't think of another two franch another franchise that does it in the same way. No. And and while you say Bond, because obviously inevitably that's something that at least for a, a minute or two we have to speak about. I just want to say, like, obviously the Bond uh, saga, the series, it's it's you know it's epic. There's many films at this point. I know you know Mike and I have done an episode on all those films. Um, that if you've never listened, you should check out. But I remember when Mission Impossible One came out. The comparisons were coming out galore. Oh, you know, another spy film, kind of like, you know, James Bond. It was right around the time. It was right after Goldeneye had come out, which was, you know, massive resurgence in the James Bond name. You were seven years old watching, uh, reading Empire Magazine. Yeah, I was indeed. I was indeed. How'd you know? Playing the the game, at least. Yes, N64, forever. (laughs) Oh, oh, for sure. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. And like, but with that said, I never thought, in 1996 when you know i was the ripe age of seven i never thought that the mission impossible franchise would grow to what it is today and and i say really is spoken about now in the same breath as a massive franchise like james bond it's 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 amazing yeah like i said 3.5 billion that's like insane, and, and thank you for bringing the facts to us. Soon, soon to be four point five billion. They're definitely going for a straight bill in the next one. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And and the you know the 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 income has the the gross has has increased almost every almost every movie. You know they yeah. there is it it does fall. Um, Mission Impossible three is the first time the the gross world goes down. But then after that, it's climbed every film since. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And obviously, as we talk about them sequentially, we'll get into the whole, maybe understanding a little bit why that happened, why it didn't happen. But Mm -hmm. I will say the trajectory outside of quality itself, like, Actually, it makes sense, I think, when you look at the years and when these were released and yada, yada. But July 2023, we get Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is going to be Part (laughs) 1 of the two-part finale to the series. I mean, (laughs) okay, all I will say is I, I said this to you, Ian, already. My favorite thing, so the trailer's fantastic, I think, but my favorite thing is that on all the comments on YouTube, under the it, really everywhere, but on YouTube where I was watching it, all of the top comments with just like thousands upon thousands of likes are just, God, I love Tom Cruise. The man just knows what we want. We want shots of Tom Cruise running. We want shots of Tom Cruise doing death-defying stunts that we know he actually did. And... We just want a lot, you know, a lot of fun and games. And it's he's given it to us. He knows what the people want. And the man's a goddamn genius. I'm I'm saying it. He is he he cannot miss in my book. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, best movie of the year. I'm saying it right now. Best movie of the fucking year. Boom. He also just care. I would love to talk about Cruise in general for a, a moment because. Yes. He is. He might be the last movie star. 
I agree. On a short list. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And but not only is he the last movie star, but he seems to be the last person that like like believes that he can prop the movie business up on his back solely mm-hmm. and be like and he can. the mayor of Hollywood or the president of like he if you listen to I don't know, Mike, if you heard this, but if you listen to that recording that was taken to, of him mm-hmm. on the set of Fallout during COVID. Oh, during COVID. Shooting, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. COVID. You know, they released that as like a scandalous thing. And I was like, this guy is right. Like, he's not just an actor on these movies. He is a producer on all of these movies. Yes. Well, and that's what I think. And by the way, that was because remember, that was during COVID. That was the one that's about to come out, Dead Reckoning Part 1. But... Oh, true, I, true, true, yes. But I think that it's so incredible that any other type of thing like that that comes out, like I remember when the Christian Bale recordings came out and, you know, there's been other ones over the years where people do not side necessarily with the actor. Again, I think none of these things need to be taken too crazily into account, but I thought it was so interesting how with the Cruise one, I think yeah. any anyone that knows or respects, you know, or is tied deep into the film industry, everyone had his back with that because it was just you could he was doing it all out of how much he cares about the business and about keeping movies alive and, you know, keeping all these people employed. And it's just like he you really see through how much this guy and, and Ian, you could say this, too. I know I, when I used to work in the industry, I always would hear it. Everyone loves the guy in the industry because he couldn't be, you know, a more respectful guy to work with in the sense of everything you hear is that he thanks every single person that works on the movie. He goes to the distribution company the you know, the for anyone that doesn't really know what that means, the company that ends up putting the movie in theaters, those people. And he ends up going to that, to those people and shaking everyone's hand saying, thanks so much for working on the movie. The guy d- expresses gratitude. He thinks and talks and works movies 24-7. Despite all the shit that, you know, gets out in the news sometimes about the Scientology stuff. When we're just talking about movies, there's no one that I think loves movies more than Tom Cruise. It's all, it's truly his mission. Impossible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. To, wow. To, to, to bring Hollywood back from the brink of destruction, Tom Cruise is going to put the action movie industry on his back. He's putting the whole team on his back. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Wow. wow. Yeah. Guys, he, I think we're done with the episode. That was it. Years. It's crazy. Truly is. Truly is. And it's crazy. not, you know, it would be wrong to say that he's like at the top of his game. It's just that he's still so good and like so much better than everybody else. I don't know. He might be at the top. He I, might. I mean, I don't think so. But he's it's it's top not like he's falling off a his lot. highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, but but it's it's even poking fun at like how he's not at the top of his game. And then of course, I mean, I don't want to spoil. You mean it. like physically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, just what he's able to do. Well, here's what's interesting. It, and, yeah, okay. and Mike, I know what you're saying too. He did have a a run that was just insane. But with that said, he's got Maverick that just was his top top grossing ever. 
And these next two Mission Impossibles are going to be, I mean, I don't know if they'll eclipse Maverick, but they're going to be damn close, I think. I, they See, might I be think, as three no. top grossing ever. No, no, for sure, for sure. In terms I of think grossing, what the difference is that Mike is talking about is that he no longer does an Oscar movie totally. or, a, or a dramatic movie. Like, he, there, was a, there was a time where he could have been getting nominated for Oscars. And, so, and also doing Mission Impossible in Weave Throughout. Yeah, bias warning, my boss did work on Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. My boss was uh, wrote the story for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, worked for Tom Cruise and, and Chris McQuarrie. So bias alert ahead of time. But Good man, good man. What, what he told me about Tom Cruise when he was working with him was that, you know, my boss asked him, Tom, like, because already by that point, he had only been making action movies for like 10 years, really. Like he mm-hmm. was making he was making um, The Reacher uh, uh, two movies and an Edge of Tomorrow. Um, and my boss was like, Tom, like, I, I was just wondering, are you going to go back to some of the more dramatic, you know, Oscar stuff? And Tom Cruise was like, my body can hold up until I'm 65. I'm gonna I'm gonna do these movies until then, and then I will go uh, go get my Oscars. But that wow. is so he has a true plan in place. That's I don't know. Incredible. I mean, and now he's getting to the point where he's probably gonna go past sixty five, which is crazy. Just insane. I I hope that means that we're getting a trilogy of the color of money, where he becomes Paul Newman <laughs> and he passes it on Dude. to the next young movie star. <laughs> That's all really. I want. That that would be amazing. I would love that. But like with that said about what you're saying, Ian, about 65, he's kind of on a perfect trajectory to do that because this movie, the next Dead Reckoning Part 1 will come out when he's 61. And then the following one will come out when he's like 62. So if he's really, I think he's planned the end of this saga pretty well. Maybe he's got another action movie or two in him and then then bring on the Oscar run. I'm sorry. He's still supposed to go to space. (laughs) Okay, so my biggest hunch is that in the last Mission Impossible, he is going to do a stunt going to space and just be like, fuck it. If I die, it was worth it. I'm doing it. I'm going to be the first movie. He's supposed to do a whole movie that they shoot in space. No shit. What are you? Yeah, that's his next movie. Oh my god. He's supposed to do. I just don't understand how they're going to do that because like it is you know going to space is a difficult process and you only have a certain amount of time in space and Doug Lyman, the guy that is supposed to direct that movie is that. notorious. I mean Doug Lyman's amazing, but he's also notorious for changing scenes on the day Ooh. like edge of tomorrow they they would show up and they wouldn't know what they were shooting and you can't do that in space no no you can't i'm sorry i just don't think that tom cruise and can't belong in the same sentence ian i think you're a hater honestly i don't like it that's a good call <laughs> that is that is true are you trying he, to tell him that something is impossible ian you know no according to the imf <laughs> nothing's impossible <laughs> which is 
maybe the dumbest part of these movies. Can we just, <laughs> can we just, can we just put it out there? <laughs> which, which, what, what, ex- explain exactly what the dumbest part is. That it's called the Impossible Mission Force. <laughs> I it's, don't know. It's I, a little I, bit I, silly. I'll yeah. admit it, and I can a handle a lot silly. of silly. Yeah. Um, and like, these, there is a lot of silly in these movies. Like, there is some like truly silly bits. And I like it. I think Me I too. think it's what like I think it's what differentiates it from Bond. Agreed. You know? Like there there is still even in the darkest moments, there is still some comedy here and there. And I, I love that. Dare I say I prefer it. Well, I think I think town we would be we can admit this because we've already done a pot on Bond. So I think it's it's apples and oranges for sure, and I'm sure we'll make the comparisons throughout because they're unavoidable. But Mission Impossible definitely has a higher hit rate than Bond franchise. No question. Less films, different eras, one star. I mean, there's a lot of different factors, but like there's a lot of bad movies, Bond movies that are just absolute shit. That's true. And there are no Mission Impossible movies that are absolute shit. Bond has Bond has a low floor. I mean, I mean, yeah, Bond has a really low floor. It has a high ceiling. Floor. Low. Yeah. Like like below the last basement in Barbados. (laughs) Like it's way down wow. there. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I love, I love that barbarian reference. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, well, boys. Right, should we start talking about these films? I was going to say, yeah. I think it's time. I think that was a great, a great little preamble. preface. Yeah. And look, we got to dive in where it all started. 1996, Tom Cruise comes out the gate introduces us or you know at least a new generation to ethan hunt was ethan hunt a part of the series by the way yes yes okay mm-hmm. and i should know this thank you for doing the research and uh and hits us out the gate with mission impossible i'm gonna let you boys just like start us off i don't know where where to start really i mean do we start with the fact that we start quite small we start with the imf we start with well i also i also think it it pays to talk about De Palma, the director. Yeah, sure. true. Let's start because there. Let's start about he, Brian, Brian De Palma. Because he brought a real level of um, legitimacy to this. It wasn't a franchise yet. To this action movie. Yes. You know, he, he, he has, he, he's so experienced and has such an amazing eye and style. And he really, really brings it to this movie. So he did, but he also, I think in the rewatch for me, this is the one that clearly stands out as the most different from any of the films. You're, you're right. You're right. Because I, I don't think it was built as a franchise movie. Right. No, this is much more of like De Palma pulling on his like Hitchcock thriller skills. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. While adding, you know, the the modern at the time more modernized bondy tech of it yeah yeah, yeah. um but there's a lot uh, less like over the top action and stunts a lot less yes i think the acting in this movie is fantastic and i think the music by danny elfman it, i think it is what truly launched uh, an amazing i i think all of the the scores for each movie is are very very good and Danny Elfman really synthesized something incredible in that. And we should just shout out Lalo Schifrin for just the overall theme 
Of course. Fantastic. Oh, yes. I mean, fantastic. absolutely fantastic. Yes. Also, Blue Scholar's connection with Lalo Schifrin. If oh, you can oh, dig into it. I love you for that. Had to be done. God. Um, but no, I I agree with everything you guys are saying. I also, of course, think it's great how back then, yes, this is just a standalone action film. What a what kind of a red herring to just have that group of actors at the beginning, have Emilio Estevez in there. And, you know, we, we kind of start this film out. I mean, we're talking spoilers throughout all these movies. Yeah, right? we got to say that, from, by the way. Yeah, everything and, here is going to have to be spoilers if we're really going to get into like ranking these films. Yes. Just I, I do think that John Voight is a little bad in this movie. I, not great. I actually fully agree on rewatch. I hadn't. I, I, I think John Voight's great. I actually, yes. I hadn't watched this movie in a very long time and I have Same such me. fond memories of it. Yeah. And I felt like there were some, certain things that I was like, oh, this is just as good as I remember. And then there were yeah. certain things that I was like, oh, this maybe didn't age as well as I thought it. So here are have. those things. The vault scene is as great as you remember. The yep. vault scene's incredible. It's An the best scene of the movie, obviously. Sequence. And like, and is a perfect perfect synthesis of like a a heist action set piece that just works perfectly and has twists and turns within it that yep. they that they set up the information yeah so well that like one drop of sweat down his glasses can be the complication, and you know you, they don't. You're need on the to, edge they, of your seat. They literally don't need to say anything. They set everything up so well, visually and audibly, audibly that you all you have to do is see that droplet and see the sound bars on the on the reader, and yeah. you know exactly what is going on. I think it's such a well uh, uh, thought out set piece. Yeah, and I think we should say. I mean, I'll get into why, like some of the things that maybe don't work as well that don't hold up on memory, but none of them really have to do with the directing, which is really good. Mm-hmm. It's a very yes. well put together movie. Yes, agreed. Exactly. Can we talk about the train sequence? Of course. <laughs> yes, yes, we can. The beginning of crews going crazy doing real stunts with crazy shit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> except that I. Do you feel like the the la- the the helicopter crash mm-hmm. and him on top of the train? I just think the CGI really didn't hold up for me. I it literally wrote the, really e- the effects are kind of meh. That's what yeah. I have right on my screen in front of me. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, that scene as a younger kid going to the theater, like that, and obviously the the fucking vault scene, but. The train scene, again, it's it's one of the two main scenes to me that always stuck out, as well as actually Emilio Estevez going up the elevator into the thing. But Well, town, yeah. I mean, just thinking of things that like hold up. Emilio dying in the beginning still is like surprising. It's yeah, still so like, effective. oh my God, Emilio hey. is the main character, but no, he isn't. He's dead already. He's dead. Man's and dead. I actually think it informs who Ethan Hunt is for the rest of the movies. Because he is his inability to lose a member of the team yep. Yep. starts mm-hmm. there. And truly he is tested on that for the rest of the movies, whether that person yeah. is not actually a part of the team, not part of the IMF, whatever. He refuses to let anybody that he knows dies. 
after it goes this well point. through fallout that that is a key plot point a key yes. part of his character or he is on a revenge mission i mean he would he, he would say that he's not on a revenge mission but we know he is yeah i i will say one thing that is kind of missing from his character in this movie is like the sort of charm and like boyishness that he's able to bring in later movies. He's very serious throughout the entire film. Yes. Yes. And I think that some of that comes with his love interests because he Mm. doesn't really have a love interest in this movie. Like Claire, uh, you know, uh, uh, Phelps's wife, like kind of, kind of is kind of infers that she is interested when, but there's never like a love scene. that that but also the idea that john voight would be with emmanuel bayard is such a 90s thing like (laughs) who would that is absurd please don't even imagine literally insane stop john voight like stop no but can we also talk about the beginnings of luther yes please i mean so truly a an amazing addition to this franchise and i heard a story that Ving Rhames, they honored Tom Cruise at some Hollywood event, and Ving Rhames was there, and he, he, apparently, Luther was supposed to die in this movie, and and Ving Rhames came up to Tom Cruise, and was like, why the black guy always gotta die in in these Hollywood movies, in these action movies? Tom Cruise was like, you know, you're right, let's not do that. I so believe that. And Ving Rhames was like, we need more white people like Tom Cruise at this, at this <laughs> oh my god. Hollywood event. Oh my god. I mean, yep. <laughs> I can say without hesitation that to me, there is no Mission Impossible franchise without the two of Tom Cruise and Ving Rams. For me. Like, you need Tom Cruise, obviously, he's the most important. Ving Rhames is number two. Luther Stickle. It's great that Luther starts as a villain. (laughs) Luther is not in the IMF. And then, like, by the end, he literally will just show up for anything that the IMF or Tom Cruise are doing (laughs) that Ethan's doing. I think we should, I mean, we'll have to just mark this because we have to talk about it with every movie, how they're constantly sort of searching for the right mix of team Yes. To yes. be with them. And it's part, part of it is because people don't survive film to film, but also just certain things don't work. And in this one, I'm kind of like, oh, Ving Rames and Jean Reno, like this is sort of legit. I would like this to keep happening. Of course, Jean sort of turns like th- halfway through the movie, but that is constantly trying to find the pairing for Ving Rames. Yes. Constantly trying yeah. to find the pairing. I think also, uh, what's his, Henry, how do you say his last name? Henry Cerny? Oh, Cerny, yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Kittredge, who's the director of the IMF. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, like, kind of throughout, he seems like the antagonist. Kind, you know, at the end, as happens in a few of these films, then it's like, you know, he realizes Ethan is the one doing the right thing. Um, I find it interesting to just say, for anyone, we'll get there, but he, for the first time since this film, will be back. Ooh. Yes, in Dead Reckoning, yes. based on the trailer. So but what, in, what, I, what I will say that mission, this the first movie really sets up is that's also a theme is Ethan Hunt being disavowed, disconnected. He's always, from, he's always wanted by the IMF. He is also always a mole. Always a mole. He somehow 
works for the IMF and yet never actually works for the IMF. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone on Earth hates the IMF, and the only thing they hate more than the IMF is Ethan specifically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to shut the IMF down, and then they're like, but also, you can't work for the IMF. <laughs> Because you're and, crazy. And there, there truly is always a mole. There is always someone that is turning. Yeah, true. And working for the bad yeah. guys. Or it's like, well, well, we'll miss a few in there. But I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. There's like one or two that will skip it. But then like the next yeah. one, the person that you mm-hmm. were thinking the whole other movie was the bad guy turns to be a bad guy. It's just, it's hilarious. I love exactly. it. Exactly. It's amazing. Also, just speaking of sort of like one-off casting, I really like Vanessa Redgrave as Max in this movie. I thought she oh, really stands incredible. out. She's amazing. She was And great. I'd forgotten completely she was in the franchise. And I was like, oh, wow, she's great. Some of that like emailing stuff doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> None like, at all. How None does all. he come Three, up uh, with 314 the... Job, Bible, Job, Job. I exactly. Just... <laughs> he, how does he come up with that email address? He just pulls it out of his ass. This is early days of email. This is the IMF. He just knows. He's just like Job at Max twenty thirty five, and it's like, how? Why? Why isn't it Max at Job? Or it's really disappointing he didn't go to like an Angel City's blog or something. That's really what I wish to see in this Mm -hmm. movie. I, I think we can all agree technologically, the film does not, in a lot of regard, hold up. Yeah, there are some cool things about the. You know the like the spraying on at the in the opening sequence the spraying on of the tracking, yep. uh, uh, stuff that you can see through the glasses. I thought that that was pretty innovative for the time. Obviously, the tech gets so insane in these, and yeah, I yeah, constantly am like, where are they getting all this? Tech? <laughs> you know what? That's that's a good point. I think we should also talk here because. This this franchise's obsession with masks and like how unbelievably perfect oh. they are. And oh, the we're only gonna thing, we're going to have this conversation. All right. And the oh. only thing beyond that is in two, where where they have the perfect voice changing technology, <laughs> and that continues well. It's so extra. I just wish it would maybe like skip one movie. You know what I mean? Like even in six, you're like, oh, here we go, the masks well, again. So Macquarie has talked about how you can. He thinks the only right number of mask reveals for a Mission Impossible movie because they will never not do masks. No, they, right, the right. mask feels like the the ultimate trademark. Yes. at this point, he says the only you can only do two mask reveals per movie. Like more than that, and it gets that's so fair. silly. That's a fair number. Yeah, yeah. Like the ma- <laughs> yeah, the voice technology is funny. The um. I think one, I know I'm kind of changing pace, but I don't want to forget to mention it. The only thing I haven't personally mentioned from one that I want to mention that I feel like growing up was another scene that stuck out always. The gum at the oh. restaurant that then blows with all the Kittredge. water. Yes, with Kittredge. It's just, it's such an image in my head. Just Amazing. him jumping out of the window, all the water rushing out. <laughs> Also, just the gum is the explosive. I just, I, I again, think it's just such another, a fun little thing. It's, it is what I love about this movie is real stunts done, done fun for real physically. Like, yes, they they built that fish tank in that restaurant, and they absolutely flooded 
that restaurant and have Tom Cruise really running from a flooded restaurant. So like it might be a smaller stunt, but the ability to do something in real life is really what synthesizes how the, the, the level of action in these movies and why it feels so, so risky for him to be doing this because he, he, you can see that he is. And that's, that really grounds these in, in such an amazing way. I fully agree. And as we obviously talk about the future movies more in depth, as we get into a more digitalized and green screened world with film, it's so damn refreshing. And you really can feel when he's doing like watching him, Tom Cruise do all of his own stunts. It it just adds that element that becomes in a world where that's becoming less and less frequent, it's such a breath of fresh air to see these movies come out where he's doing his own stunts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one last thing that I'll say, which is indicative of this movie and also appears in several others, and this is a direct comparison to James Bond. I love how this movie, well, one is in Prague, the greatest city on earth, as everybody knows. But <laughs> I two I love that these movies generally go to like two, maybe three places. And then you get to spend time at like, you know, they go to a bar or they go to like the safe house in the city or they go to like a restaurant and you or really get to, to like a li- massive event with a whatever or thousands of people, which I love. Yes. No, I love that. Every yes, movie but you get it. all the different angles of like the city. You know what I mean? Whereas like in a, in a bond film, it ends up being three hours because they go to no less than 300 countries, despite there only being 200. <laughs> like they invent new countries and then they go there. Like, <laughs> It's just like, sit down for a second. Like, it's too much. <laughs> this feels more like it's worldly, but we get to explore a few places rather That's what than I, just that, touch that down That's that feeling that I really like. And that carries all the way through to Fallout as well, with some exceptions in between. But yeah. Fallout mostly being in like London and Paris, you're like, cool. I get to see a lot of these cities and I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they do shoot them really, really well. Like Prague is shot so well yeah. in, in and I, one. I will say the bar that uh, Ving Rhames and Tom Cruise have that final drink at, very, very accessible in London. I've been there a million times. It's not oh. like an exclusive bar. It's just right on the South Bank. I walked past yeah. it very recently with one Dylan Infinity. Big shout out. Love that. But uh, yeah. Wait, what's the bar called? I don't even know. It's just the random pub that's like on the corner there of the bridge in South Bank. I don't even know okay. what it's called. Amazing. Need to find that. Um, I think that's all I got in the tank for one. How about you guys? Yeah, let's move on. I'm ready to, to go to uh, too many doves. Too many what? Doves. There's a lot of doves. doves. Oh my god! There's several, several, several doves, and just slow motion, just shots slowed down for fun. So okay, let's talk about John Woo. Let's talk about John Woo. Also, 2000, so four years after the original installment. Let's talk about John Woo. Take us away, boys. I, I I've honestly, I feel like two gets a bit of a bad rap. I'm here to rep for two a bit. And I was hoping I would have a woo ally in Dr. Action. Of course, Listen, just being Dr. Action who loves woo. You know how much I love woo. I, I put hard boiled as, as I think my second favorite over the top action movie. Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds and face off. Right. And we did face off. That's right. Yeah. We did face off. So don't get me wrong. You got, you got a, Big Wu fan here, but but I don't know if his style really gels with what Mission Impossible is. This is by far for me the 
just the, the least marrying of the aspects of Mission Impossible that I love with it in it's I just don't feel them synthesized in this movie all that well. Okay. That may be true. But what you can't deny is that you get a hell of a lot of a movie here. There's cars flipping and exploding. You got helicopters. You've got an island lair. You've got a memorable villain. You've got dueling German flipping cars, dueling motorcycles. There's a beachfront showdown where he throws a gun flip and he does a capoeira kick. I mean, there's a lot of filming. Without looking at the cast list, what's what's the name of the actor that plays the villain? Okay, the fact that he was only in Hitman doesn't mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean anything. He was also in Taken 3. All right. (laughs) Yeah, you know he was supposed to be Wolverine. That would have Duke been a bad Gray choice. Scott was cast as Wolverine, and he couldn't be Wolverine because he was making Mission Impossible Two. Um, town. We I don't think this was ever talked about on our perfect casting episode, but Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, like just straight up. Oh, one of Beautiful the most cast. perfectly cast characters, actors of all time. Yeah, so um, much so that he can't stop doing it. Yeah, he physically cannot stop. Yeah. Um, all right, look, I'm here to insert myself in between you both for, you know, well, I was going to make some joke about a sandwich, but you know what? That just doesn't really play right now. So I will say my opinion, Mike, you almost had me as your ally. I went into the rewatch exactly feeling the way that you feel saying, you know, I feel like he gets a little bit of a bad rap. I have a great memory of seeing this for the first time in theaters. I actually went for my birthday party when I was like turning whatever the fuck age it was 11. Yeah. And we had a blast, obviously at the theater thought the movie was great. I rewatched because I was 11 <laughs> and I rewatched it and I, I got to lean on the side of Ian. I was surprised at what I thought I had thought about the movie. I I mean, look, it's a Mission Impossible movie. To me, those movies are impossible not to enjoy. But there's definitely enjoyable stuff in this movie. Yes. And, and Mike, specifically what you were saying, like the motorcycle duel and the, you know, all the crazy shit that happens with that. It's a fun ass time. But... In general, for like memorable plot, like memorable characters outside of, you know, Ethan and Luther. I don't know about this one. It 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 definitely tests its luck and I think strays closer to just like a ridiculous music video or like. It's gag so, reel than so like late it's, 90s early 2000s yeah period. like late 90s early 2000s like stylized like like don't get me wrong i love i own the soundtrack to this movie like i love the limp biscuit take a look around take on the mission impossible theme with <laughs> I that was gonna said, bring up Hans zimmer and not limp biscuit <laughs> <laughs> with that said <laughs> With that said, this literally could be like a Limp Biscuit music video, this movie. It's what's it's, what's insane about this movie is that it's actually over two hours long. It's, it's so like long. it's it's, it's so absurd for what it's, it is. It's so long for, for this. Because obviously all of them are over two hours, except maybe the first one. Is the how long is the first one? Okay, but the so the one fifty, yeah. 
you know, uh, the chimera virus. I'm, I'm, I'm truly like uninterested in that. Like I, I would rather not even know what it is. Hint, hint for the next movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the stunt of um, them getting into the facility to get the chimera virus. That is like kind of supposed to be like the big stunt of the like movie. the vault stunt of the first one. It's pretty good. It's not, it's not that great, but it does evokes the, the first stunt. Like but it, it does movie. evoke the first stunt, and it just doesn't feel no, no, all agreed. that, agreed. all that real. Agreed. But well, you haven't, you haven't mentioned that there's an Anthony Hopkins cameo. Oh my God. That scene is so bad too. Why is there a British person playing the head of the IMF? Why do you even care? Don't even, don't even <laughs> make any sense. It's it's American, literally. I think I also think the romance between Tandy Newton and Tom Cruise kind of fucks. I think it's legit. Unfortunately, how much do you think Anthony Hopkins was paid for two days of work? It's too much, too much. <laughs> I, I I'm thinking he got like more two money than ever in my life. The budget for this movie was 120 million dollars, so somehow he got two million. Yeah, I'm guessing he got two million dollars to show up and record two scenes of dialogue. That's probably right. Yeah. And I, you know what we something we spoke about in the first that I have to admit here the support for Ving, it just doesn't come. It just doesn't come. Yeah. We, we thought we'd get a whole team here, and we, we really don't. Even nope. Tandy Newton just disappears for the last forty minutes of the film. Like it's just true. Yeah, and then she there. just like shows up on a cliff. That's right. It's I just think not my there. mission statement on Mission Impossible Two is that it's. They try to replicate what worked in one, but it's not as good. And I don't think any of the characters that aren't Tom Cruise or Ving Rhames are memorable. And so it leads to not a not a not honestly not a terrible movie. It is a fun time. All of these movies are a fun time, but it's it's kind of forgettable in the grand scheme of the series, in my opinion. I will say that it might have one of the best mass reveals with the broken jaw. With the broken jaw, so it's the per- it's that perfect is use very of very good. Yes, yes, yes. It's one of the best mass reveals. I I think overall my thoughts on this movie, and and I see what what you guys are talking about, but Town actually hit it. Like when I watched this movie, I remember being eleven years old and watching it, and it takes me back to that time, and I'm able to get a large amount of enjoyment out of it, understanding that there's a lot of things that if you didn't have any like sentimental connection and you just turn this on, you'd be like, well, what the fuck is happening here? Why is Tom Cruise <laughs> doing a capoeira kick? I don't know. I don't know. Oh yeah, he does he does a lot of capoeira. Also, the introduction of the of the doves is strange in that last sequence because just bizarre. first just bizarre. you well you see pigeons. And I'm like, is he? He's like just priming us, and then the pigeons do flock. But then another time when he's running down a hallway, you see a dove, and I don't know where that dove. Maybe the dove was just chilling with the pigeons. I just thought it was interesting that he chose to be like, you know what? I'm going to show pigeons first. But again, about the pigeons, how many of the other Mission Impossible movies have pseudo island lairs? I'll wait. Yeah. Did, we, did we need them? Eleven-year-old Michael thinks we do. <laughs> did, did, Look, as did, an eleven-year-old, this movie fucking rocked. I will say, you. as a that's my argument. That's yeah, my whole that argument. is 
And that's a solid argument. It it did. As a 33-year-old now, it's definitely not my favorite of the series. I'll say that. But Town, we both know that you feel at the very most 18 every day. So closer to 11 <laughs> than 33. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's that's also <laughs> fair. That's also fair. I think even at eighteen, you'd probably be like, eh. "That's also I definitely fair." Definitely didn't see this. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. All right. I think we did too. We did too. We did too. Yeah. So, look. Now we're moving on to Mission Impossible Three. It's funny because when three came out, when you know when we were younger, the years you know felt slower. 2000 to 2006 felt like an eternity. I felt like, holy shit, like they're finally doing a third. Were they ever going to do it? Um, funny when you, happened. It's true. And it's just funny that when you look at the gaps in between the movies, they're actually all kind of, you know, a four to, for the most part, like a four to six year turnaround outside of maybe, maybe in between five and six was short, was a, a little bit shorter, but, uh, but anyways, three comes around. We've got J.J. Abrams directing. We've got Michael Giacchino doing the score. I'm Great pretty score. much in heaven because we've got the Lost team doing And they movie. threw in Billy Crudup for you. And they gave us Billy Crudup and Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love that you brought up Billy Crudup before Philip Seymour Hoffman. What are no, no, we doing, only specifically, no, no, what, what, what are we doing? No, specifically for town. Because thank they you, gave him you. the Billy Crudup, Lawrence Fishburne combo from oh. that one film that you really oh like. God, Rudderless. What's it yes. Rudderless. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, incredible. Um, wow. And then obviously we get Michelle Monaghan in who becomes, a, yes. you know, an important character. Let's put it this way. Mission Impossible 3, outside of giving us Luther in the first film, 3 is where we start, I would yes. say, the story yep. that mm -hmm. will carry us through the, the rest of the series. Well, it gives you Michelle Monaghan, it gives you Julia, and it gives you Benji. Yes. And Benji is a massively important character. Benji comes in in this one? Yeah. Oh my God, of course he does. Jesus Christ. But just like quickly, he's just like in, you know, yes. the equivalent of Q headquarters yes. or whatever. He's just the tech guy. Yes. But I will say for me, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, for me, the first, like at the end of three, it feels like the end of the series. At the time, I did wonder if that was the end of the series. A little um, bit because they were like, he's settling down. Right. And obviously, like you said, they're carrying the same story through later, but it really felt like the end of it at the end of this. Well, film. three was also, it might be the worst. Well, two was two, two didn't get good reviews, but three made way less money. So, so, so there was definitely talk about ending because mission two ended at 550 million. Mission three only barely didn't even crack 400 million so that's like a, that's that's a huge downfall six years later so here's what i found interesting about three both then and now so when it first came out i remember seeing it and being like whoa this was really solid and then i was really surprised that it didn't do so well obviously you know i was just like yeah maybe people are just not as into mission impossible anymore um looking back on it now so i want to say that obviously we're going to get into rankings later but going into the rewatch of all of the six out currently 
I had a pretty set in stone ranking of like where I thought certain movies fell and in my head on the rewatch, which is very unusual for me, my entire ranking got thrown to the wind. Everything went in a different order. And three is a film that when I when I thought back to it, I, you know, I. I just didn't remember too much about it. I thought it was maybe, you know, all right. But I I actually really like this movie. I think it's kind of rips. Yeah, kind of. I think it's I think it's really good. There's a lot to like here. I mean, and, and I think. You know, if we we didn't really say it, but I think two is where you start to get that like charming Tom Cruise that you missed from the first one. Mm-hmm. But this is one is where you get like just emotional Tom Cruise for just two yes. straight hours. You get the emotion yeah. of the series started in this film, and even even Truly. in the very very beginning, dude, that scene where you know he's tied up, like, and she's and you know his wife is obviously like tied up, and he's gonna kill her. Philip Seymour Hoffman's gonna kill her. Where he's just like cycling through things that he thinks he can say, you know, where he's like, no, I gave you the rabbit's foot. No, it's in Paris. No, I'm going to kill you. No, wait, I can get it for you. Like he's willing to say anything because he's just trying so hard, obviously it, to stop yes. his wife from being it's killed. An it's incredible so scene. incredible painful, opening. Scene. It's so painful. Dude, it's really hard to ass. watch, but it is, he is so good in that scene. And, and truly he's going up against one of the greatest actors of that generation, he's going up against Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Tom, and say what you will about Tom Cruise making action movies, like in that scene, you can see him, like like you said, Mike, going through a completely uh, a massive range of emotions. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. like he's like yeah. he has to like figure out any yeah. way, shape, and form he can he can he can use to get out of this by just talking. And of the things, Tan, like I agree, some of this was forgettable until the rewatch. But the things that have always stuck with me is Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's so calm and like Mm -hmm. matter of fact as a villain. And it's stuck with me since I've seen this movie. Like it's so scary. And especially in that scene where they're playing off of each other, the whole thing is just, it's, and it just, again, it does. Like you get the, you get it later in the film again. But to open the film, you're just like, holy fucking shit especially yeah. off like the goofiness of two like, yeah wow, this is when they, this is a different when they film. pull him in and they take the hood off him in the plane and he's like and and philip Hoffman just like calm, yeah, yeah. Uh, at calmly doesn't answer Which, it's just like what's your like, name <laughs> yeah what's your name do you have a do you have a wife a girlfriend just like i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna hurt them i'm gonna kill them like it's, it's so it is, fucking scary it is so sinister Dude, he's so good in this. Like, that's honestly, I remembered he was good, but like, he's good in this fucking movie. He Mm -hmm. terrifies you. And that's an amazing thing about Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, you know, you talk about like Daniel Day Lewis, you talk about these these highbrow, high level Oscar winning actors, which Philip Seymour Hoffman got to towards the end of his life. But they never do movies like this. Philip Seymour Hoffman was willing to. Be the bad guy, Mission Impossible Three. He was willing to make a long compile, a long King Polly. Like he, he, he was willing to have fun within the studio system. So I, I just think it, it, it's great to see him in this movie. Yep, absolutely agreed. And he, he, he really is that diverse. And can, can I have we talk to talk about the rabbit's foot. Yes, but right before we do, I need to say something. Like I had not watched this movie, gents since it came out in theaters in 2006 the yell that came out of me when aaron paul 
shows up on the screen. Are you kidding? Yeah. Also, can we just very quickly before talking about the rabbit's foot, talk about the yell that comes out of Ving Rhames when Tom Cruise makes the roof stunt? Like when he lands it, it's you're right with him, and then like you get that little moment of relief from Ving. It's lovely. So so uh, they talk about Tom Cruise doing that stunt, and you know they they did that on a green screen, but they built the actual um, like roof that he slid down, and. You know, because Jackie Chan did a similar stunt to that. I can't remember who was doing the interview, but they were saying how even if it was on a green screen, Tom Cruise did it like like 25 times when like they got it. JJ was like, we're good. It's like, no, 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 no. I, 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 I can do it better. I can do it better. <laughs> and like they would drop him down onto the glass and then he would have to slide down. And he did it like so many times. Because he just wanted to get it right, and it just shows you his commitment to, to to getting these stunts so so right. And a lot of what we're saying, including that stunt, leads to the fact that this is the first Mission Impossible movie that feels legitimately dangerous. Yes, in a yep. great way. Yeah, yep. the bridge sequence when he Ugh. is is Ugh. is pretty devastating. Dude, that's oh another God. image. Him flying like sideways into that car. That's another image that you like always. And then the me. plane flying over him. The camera work in that is really, really good. Incredible. Yeah. And the whole warehouse set piece that opens it up and the helicopter chase after are all great as well. Truly. I was like, I mean, somebody had to do a helicopter chase sequence in a wind farm yard. <laughs> like like somebody was gonna do it. It's it's good that you guys chose to. No, it's it's really it's it's pretty well shot. Um I think JJ ha- does have like some, so I think that ties into the rap, the, the, the rabbit's foot. Yeah. Talk like, about the rabbit's foot to us. So like JJ is known for creating puzzle boxes and sometimes in all of his movies and sometimes not like having an answer to what's at the center of the puzzle box. And I think the rabbit's foot is like literally him doing that of being like, it doesn't matter. It's just a MacGuffin, you know, it's something yep. for them to go after. And I think it bothered me when I first saw it. Cause I was like, Oh now let's know. But then as we go through the movies, like it's just a nuclear warhead or a nuclear bomb or like, you know, codes or it, it is just a MacGuffin. So like, who cares? Like if, if they had call in, in fallout, if they had called the, the three, uh plutonium heads the rabbit's foot it would have been fine like so i don't i don't think i know i I don't think i necessarily care what the rabbit's foot is no i kind of like that jj has conceded that it's just a MacGuffin because every action spy film is just a MacGuffin. yeah so like and i hate when they go into depth about like explaining it's like right i get it it's another one with launch codes (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah as a writer it's it's tough because you do need a MacGuffin for these movies you need something for them to go after and it's always like, well, is it a hard drive? Is it a cell phone? Is it, you know, and you always try and come up with something interesting and unique. And then it always comes down to like, oh, it's the missile or it's the codes or, you know, it, it's, it. it's a hard drive. So that it, I will say that it is tough to come up with that. And that's why I kind of appreciate that the rabbit's foot is just like, we're, we don't, we don't need to say what it is. You just know it's a, it's a big bad weapon. No, I agree. I, I do think the third act, like 
plot wise gets a little bit weird like if you really start to think about like wait why is this person here or there and why are they able to like do this or that but like emotionally it's so on point that it doesn't really matter yeah like them all showing up in china is is, is very strange and then getting like you know that monahan like kill at the end Though i do think 2006 is pretty much peak monahan so i'm quite happy about that but like yeah the whole situation there is, is a she, bit off she's honestly though she's a she's such a great choice for again, no, great casting for julia and no, like just also i have to say as a big you know everyone that listens to this regularly knows how big of a lost fan i am there's just some unbelievable nods to the show in this between obviously yeah. Michael Giacchino does a few nods to the score of Lost with his score in this. And most, I think, uh, prominent for those Lost fans, the near end scene where we think that Ethan's dead and Julia is pounding on his chest is a direct take from the episode of Lost in season one where we think that Charlie is dead and Jack pounds on his chest incessantly until he hops awake and alive but uh My so i thought that was a cool is a nurse nod. watched this was watching this movie with me, <laughs> and her <laughs> eyes rolled outside of her <laughs> that's i mean it's very very scientifically accurate right ian yeah right? that's yeah. what she, if, that's what she if, thought i mean that's what she I, thought i told her if you punch tom cruise in the chest he will come back more alive <laughs> I okay. Would you guys agree? I I think that this okay. There's a couple things I think about this film that we haven't already touched on. Um, I'd say one, at which we did touch on. Yes, this is where we kind of get the core of the the cast together that we're going to start to see throughout the rest of the films. Um, I did think that crude up being the bad guy at the end was just like, I almost wanted it to be not be him because it was just so obvious, obviously the whole movie that it was going to be him like same shit they do in the other movies. But you know what? Small quip with the film. Um, I, what, do you, what do you guys think about the Vatican sequence? I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for yeah. it. too. I'm definitely here for Maggie Q and a Lamborghini. I got to tell you that. I was ready for her to be in the rest of the movies. It's like, a little insane that a <laughs> they are having this event at the Vatican that in like a the biggest arms dealer in the world is going <laughs> to the Vatican, and then they plan to blow up a car again in the Vatican. I think all of that is very fair, but like it doesn't really bother me when I watch the movie. Would but you guys? I will say. It is. I think it's one of the first good implementations of CGI uh, of them of them using visual tricks and CGI to combine for the mask gags. Because when when he takes Philip Seymour Hoffman in the bathroom, and you literally, it, it's the first time you get one shot of Tom Cruise putting a mask on, and then in the same shot, him like fixing the mask until he is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, and they go with that every movie from here on out, mm-hmm. and it looks great every yeah, time. If they can, if, when it, when it, it's such an amazing magic exactly, trick. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Now, would you guys agree, I personally think this film of the six is, I'm not saying it's necessarily my favorite film, but I'm saying that I do think it's the one that most 
seamlessly combines some sense of realism with kind of the very worldly um, set pieces and kind of action plot of it all. I don't know. I don't want to call it the most realistic because that might it, it's all r- ridiculous. Of course, it's not realistic. But whereas, yeah, you could say the first is like the smallest in scope or whatever. This one to me felt like the most of like a just like a very well-rounded, emotionally resonant action film, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I mean, okay. he, he has to break into a Chinese, uh, military com. I don't even know. Like that's the, that's the thing is I, I don't really even know what he's breaking into. Realistic, I guess. You know what? Maybe I'm just not phrasing it right, but I just, again, the emotion in this one, I think his character story is the most fleshed out in this movie. Well, um, I do think it is the most personal for yes. the first time. Yes, for yes. Him. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. Maybe that was what I was trying well, to say. And and I think when he's fake dead at the end, I I feel like he could die there. Like that like that would be a believable aspect of the story and it would be sort of okay. Mm-hmm. You think they could? You think they could kill him off? Well, no, I'm not saying that they actually would, like, because of the sort of meta situation of like understanding how Hollywood works. Like yeah. in Top Gun Maverick, again, he's not going to die. Spoiler alert: you know that. But in the film, you're like, oh yeah, this would really make a lot of sense if this was the last movie and he died, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I think they were expecting this to be a much bigger movie than it was, and. I mean, it, you know, it, they made it money only on made four hundred million. It only made four hundred million. Yeah, only. How dare they? But looking back on it, it's a great movie, and this again, we get a lot of the bones for what's gonna what's gonna carry on the series through. So it's All a special right. one for sure. And let's uh, talk about Ghost Pro. And let's Ghost. talk about Ghost Pro. All right, guys. Mission Impossible. Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is fucking dope. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> Dude, great movie, 2011. Um, I would say if Mission Impossible 3 gives us the bones to what we're going to get for the rest of the series, emotion and character-wise, 4 gives us, okay, we're going as big as we possibly can with these stunts, and we're just going to try to one-up ourselves, everyone, from here on out. I, I, I think that this movie synthesizes what the Mission Impossible franchise can and should be okay uh you know it it is i think it is the best mix of tension tech real world consequences kind of for the first time you know big massive sure like they blow up a car in the vatican but like they blow up the goddamn kremlin in this movie it's crazy that is insane it's amazing and and for the first time you I, I think you really feel how big the consequences of what these these things could be, what these events that he's stopping could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I okay. Yes, Kremlin scene is fucking insane. The scene at the the Burj Khalifa is insane. I mean, it's one of um, the craziest stunts ever done. Ever. Ever climbing climbing the tallest building in the world with Only just a wire that if mike i'm just gonna say seeing this movie in theaters and the shot going over his shoulder 
when he leans out the window and looking down the Burj Khalifa and knowing that's really Tom Cruise and that they're really filming at the Burj Khalifa, like my heart jumped out of my mouth because I was so, it is a wild feeling. I think this movie, I mean, it's it's impossible to like divorce it from the Burj stunt and even like the whole, like the, the extended scene that takes place there is, is quite good, I think. But like, the Burge is is everything to this film. Like if it's not there, I feel like it's not all that much that goes on that's important. But like because it's there, it's just a matter of like how much you love that stunt. But so, him doing it and knowing that like that allows you to get shots, shots that you simply can't get in other films because they're stunt doubles is amazing to watch. Even though I didn't see it in the theater, it was thrilling for sure at home. Well, so, I disagree that that's the only thing that, that makes this movie. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying what I mean is that like, it's a massive, massive jump from wherever the film would be without it to wherever it is with it. Yes. I definitely agree with that. I will say one, I did see this in theaters in IMAX and as a theater experience, this one may have been my most memorable of the films. Um, also need to give, I, I have to keep it going. Another big loss shout out. I mean, the movie opens up with Josh Holloway, a.k.a. Sawyer, being murdered. So also just, the, just... Te- the tech that he throws where it's uh, he throws it over the edge and then it blo- blows up into uh, a cushion right. Before yes, the yes, I love, yes, that yes. love that. Love that. Tech. I think so... the tech in this movie is really cool. And one interesting thing that Tom Cruise told through my boss when he was working on Romation, the next movie, is that like sometimes the most interesting thing about tech is when it doesn't work. And you see that throughout this movie. The masks don't work. The gloves don't work. The, the over and over and over again. And the Or the tech is what gives them away. You know, the assassin sees the tech in, in Jeremy Renner's eye. And so sometimes what I like about this movie is that the, the, they use... They use all the cool tech to their advantage in a, in a way that makes it harder for Tom or for Ethan. Yes. Also, the prison break to start the movie after the Josh Holloway scene is great. It's amazing. I think and it's fantastic. The, honestly, also, the tech for the Kremlin sequence of mirroring the hallway is wild tech. It's one of the coolest pieces of tech invented for a movie I've ever seen. That is amazing. I will say, okay, God, there were so many things I have to say about this movie, but I will say, I want to say a couple things that I don't like about this movie, which I didn't think there were many before rewatching it, but there are a couple things that hurt this one for me a little bit. Lack of Ving Rams. He's to me is so essential to these movies and only getting him at the end, the very end for a moment hurt i kept thinking that they were gonna call him in like i kept waiting for it i'd be like no he's gonna come in like he's gonna yeah, when in. they show up at the airplane before yes. they go to and remember India. when Cruz makes that call and it's like get him no matter what you have to do get him over and like i was like yes. that's gotta be him it's ving mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. so that that bummed me out i did think renner was a was a good addition i didn't know how i was gonna feel going into it about putting him in this i liked his character in this I think Simon Pegg obviously fucking cements his place as an absolute necessity in Wait, this series, in yes. this film. 
Can we pause and then I'll let you continue? Can we just talk about Jeremy Renner for a bit? Yes, sure. please. Especially since we know that he only ends up in two films because of scheduling or whatever. But No, not because of scheduling. Okay, well, whatever. So I feel like he's like a little bit of a confusing character where it's like they're not sure if they're selling to me, selling him to me as more of a sidekick or more of just like part of the team. And he exists in this like weird space that never, never fully feels settled. I can tell you why that's the case. Please go. Because when they wrote this movie, because of the the last movie didn't do as, wasn't as successful as they were hoping. When they were making this movie, the plan was for Tom Cruise to hand the the franchise over right, okay. to Jeremy Renner. That was the plan going into the making yes. of the movie. That was uh, they they were always planning. I'm not sure if Ethan was going to die, but Renner was going to take over as the lead of the Mission Impossible franchise. And you could kind of feel that he's more than just another member of the group. exactly right. And when I have to admit, when you could feel, even without knowing the background, you yes, Mike, you could feel that maybe they were hinting towards that. And that, to me, was going to be a massive disappointment because exactly. so it's like... That, what I, happened I, was they brought in Christopher McQuarrie to rewrite this movie. And Christopher McQuarrie walked in to the producers at Paramount and they were like, and he, and he told them, you don't have a Mission Impossible movie without Ethan Hunt. You can't end this movie without Tom Cruise's name has to be above the title of Mission Impossible. You can't make this movie without him. So, and and I am only going to rewrite this movie if we are rewriting it so Ethan Hunt survives and continues on with his franchise. And and they switch, they changed the direction of the movie completely based on what Christopher Quarry asked for. And I agree. I fully agree. I think that trying to replace with Renner who outside of the fact that I just think Renner, I like him a lot, but I don't think he is special enough to, to front a franchise like this. Um, He's just like, again, I really like Jeremy Renner. I think there's something a little generic about him. He doesn't have that extra flair that a Tom Cruise has for me. To to be fair to, to you and Jeremy Renner, you could say that about any other human on earth. True, like, true. There is yes. no one that could step in and run the franchise. No. Jeremy yes. Renner's not close. He's not even in the same neighborhood, but like there is literally no one. So no, it's no a silly one. idea. And 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 it's because I you you were totally right. His character is neither here nor there. It's neither fish nor fowl. Like like is he a total badass or is he just an advisor? Like he, yeah. he, like, is he the next Tom Cruise to do these big stunts? But also then he's complaining about doing all these big stunts. He doesn't want to and do them. The extension of the Jeremy Renner problem for the movie, which I'm not saying like this is the overall, like just while we're on the topic, is linking this to Jeremy Renner, to a future story, and also to the last film and the past. They have to come up with this absurdly grim backstory about Ethan's wife where she was essentially kidnapped and mutilated while he was out for a jog. Now, by the end of the film, they backtrack every single thing we've just said. But when you're watching it, you're like, wait, what? That's just like really harsh. Like really way too dark. Harsh. Fucking like way too dark. And I think something, a last footnote on the Jeremy Renner taking over the franchise thing that what I love about that they don't do that 
which actually I'm going to pull over to Top Gun Maverick because it's a similarly so many of these franchises they do exactly what they were planning to do with Ghost Protocol. They introduce this new character, a little bit younger. He's going to take over the series. Nobody's excited about that. Nobody ever in the audience is excited about that. What we really want is for fucking Tom Cruise to continue on as the main character. The fact that we get that here and the fact that in Top Gun Maverick, spoiler alert, you kind of are like, oh shit, are they going to make Miles Teller like the new, you know, Maverick, Maverick type character? Yeah. And then it's, oh no, no, this movie's just about fucking Tom Cruise. Fuck yeah, that's what we came here to pay for. Which like, is also the color of money conundrum, which is just Paul Newman is still the fucking man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. I, I mean, love I, it. I think that Renner was on a trend of trying to do this with, I mean, he had, he tried to do it with Bourne, Bourne and he tried yep. to do it with this. Like, and he, it, it's, it's really tough, like trying to like step into the lead role of a super established franchise. Like you got to create your own. It, you got to create your own, and, and like you know, the synthesis of what works for this franchise is revolves around Tom Cruise, and then to try and like step into that, like that's what not what audiences want to see. Audiences want to see what made them come to the movie in the first place, and the, that's that's generally Tom Cruise. Totally, and, and go ahead, Dan. Sorry. I, well, you know what? If you had something to add to that, Mike, take it because I was going to move this in another direction. No, I was just going to talk about some more of the positive things, specifically like the cast that we didn't fully get into. Paula Patton, man. Paula Patton's quite good and a, and a really interesting yep. cast for this. Leia Seydoux at really kind of the beginning of her like Hollywood ascension, at least. Anil that, Kapoor in the Mumbai scene. Yeah, that I mean, fight it's great fight. Paul the cast Patton is there. And, uh, and Leia Seydoux is so great. In, in the Burge. Kicking her out of the window is just oh. such a, a a badass move. Once again, I feel like the Burge is just it's what takes this movie everywhere. So that is go. that is what what people people's argument against this movie is that the highs of the Burge you just can't meet in India. The India sequence. Yeah. So is, I guess here's my like take on the rewatch. Where again, I I, I will say. I'm I don't think this ruins my rankings. It's just saying one thing that it's not. I'd say going in, there was an argument this might have been my absolute favorite. I'd say on rewatch, it's not. And I'd say it's because of some of these things that to me it's lacking. Again, I already yes. said the lack of Ving Rames, which it's the only film that he's not in really the movie until again, two minutes at the end. Um, it's the fact that I do think the cast is very solid. I love that Peg is, you know, in it, the whole movie in the field, yeah, in the field. But I will say, as we get into them, personal, personal opinion, I think they actually perfect the crew in the next couple. Yes. And so that was out the, the Burj Khalifa scene. I mean, it's, it's top, it's one of the best, if not the best of the whole series, it's up there. Um, just that entire sequence, but I also I will think say, Michael Nyquist as the as Hendrix as the villain is good, but he he just doesn't. It's a little. He's flat. not as good as some of the other villains that he's are kind of faceless. Good. He's he's kind of a forgettable Bond villain, is what yes. he is. Yes, yes. It's, it's nothing like his performance in the submarine film Hunter Killer with Jerry Butts that I just wanted to sneak in here. Right uh, now. I will oh say right God. now, the only two films in my notes that I haven't written about the villain are two and four. And there's a yes. reason because they're forgettable to a degree. 
By the way, Mike, have you seen the trailer for Plane? Oh, yes. yes. Jerry I Butts, have. baby. Jerry yes, Butts is back, and he's on a plane. He's the captain, baby. Doctor anything... Action's back. We're seeing it, baby. Honestly, they should have put Jerry Butts in here instead of Jeremy Renner. We would have been talking about Oh, my God. Maybe the only man that could. No, no, no. Nobody could do it. But no, I no, want to no. say one thing I love about this movie. I I love as a man that, you know, loves his emotion strewn into a, a good film. I fucking love the ending to this movie. It is I think a really good ending. It's such a amazing, bittersweet, like truly emotional, but like subtle enough ending. And just the, you know, the fact that we, he tells Jeremy Renner's character, you know, she didn't, she didn't die. It was, it was a cover. And then, you know, explains that, he did this so that she could live a safe life. And you're kind of seeing that from afar, he watched, you know, he, you know, checks or maybe she checks. What is it? She checks in on him. Wait, No, she, they're just sitting by the bar and, yeah. and they just see her like go to a coffee yeah. shop. In fallout, Ving tells us that she like sends up signals every night. That's what yeah. I was. That's what I was in my head. Cause I just finished fallout. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah. anyways, but yeah, I just love that they have that look for a second, and it's just, it's a fucking great ending. It's maybe also my favorite the, ending of any of the movies. Honestly, the fight between Cruz and Hendrix, I mean, uh, uh, Ethan and Hendrix, it, it is, you know, Hendrix is not a physically intimidating villain, yeah. but I feel yeah. like the, the level of tension in that scene is very high. It's also like an appropriate length. Like they don't have yes. a long drawn out fight because you know he actually can't fight, right? And I love that Hendrix is willing to die. He he, he takes the case and fall, he falls and he's, he's willing to kill himself for this. You know, I, I just, I do love that. And Cruz, <laughs> like I love the moment of like the, the missile is flying towards San Francisco and... To Cruz just looks down and he's so far from the ground from the case. You're like, it's over, it's done. <laughs> but it never is done. Okay, but can we also just talk about mission accomplished? That moment. Oh my god! And then then the moment with Vang where he's like, "Did you really say?" Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love mission accomplished. It's so funny because like it it is like the parody of what you would do in that situation a hundred percent it's great and we didn't we should mention this is uh this was the film directed by brad bird yeah yes. his live action debut in a very interesting choice yeah yeah after incredibles obviously um an amazing director yeah great great director and he does a great job i think and yes if i may i'm gonna segue into the fact that our next film, 2015's Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, is then taken over by Christopher McQuarrie, who obviously had a hand in writing Ghost Protocol, and he's going to ride the series out. And it kind of becomes Cruz's like, like creative partner in yes. his life in general. And I have to admit, I, I think it's a wonderful partnership. I think that they found the man for the job to take the series the rest of the way, in my Incredible. opinion. I I truly, so I I know I mentioned this to you guys already, but I listened to Christopher McQuarrie's two four-hour podcasts that he did with Empire for both Rogue Nation and Fallout. 
I could not recommend these podcasts more to anybody that's interested in 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 hearing how these big budget movies are made because I I came out of them being like I'm pretty sure Chris McCarthy is a genius. He the way that they make these movies is so interesting and different from how a lot of these movies are made, but also just the how how they truly fly by their seat, fly, fly by the seat of their pants. And him and Tom are 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 deciding how to make these movies as they make them. And I'll, I'll get into a, a little more detail on that on Fallout because it's so interesting, the inception of these movies. But I truly think Christopher McQuarrie has has synthesized the the best, the biggest, craziest version of what this franchise is. I fully agree. I need to listen to those pods. And I just want to get into Rogue Nation by saying that on my rewatch, I was so impressed that my take on Rogue Nation from my one time in theater was that I didn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily as wowed as Ghost Protocol. I think I had the whole, you know, Burj Khalifa scene hanging over my head. Rewatching this, I was like, wow, this is a wonderfully put together movie. And I think that the meshing of the characters is nearly perfect in this one. You obviously, you get the introduction of Rebecca Ferguson's character, who I personally think is great. I love, I Ilsa love, Faust. She, oh, she is, fu- she's unfucking real. It's like, Ilsa what Faust. a great, she is the female Ethan Hunt. Yes. And it is so cool to, to see a, a female character like this. I mean, you know, we've had past badass female characters. Paul Patton's probably the biggest. Um, but truly for him to contend with the female version of himself is, um, it's, it's, it's a perfect, like, like, like thing for Ethan to have to get through because yep. he, he can see in her head, in her, in her eyes that she's trying to do, she's on the same side as him and they're both trying to do right and also survive. And he's up. Uh, immediately unwilling to let anything happen to her. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, also just to, if we're going to go through the movie a little bit, can we just the opening fucking scene with the cargo plane? Are you kidding? Okay. Are you kidding? Such a bold choice to open your movie with your big stunt. Like, wow. The man is hanging off of a plane. So he had to wear the studio was not going to let him do this. They figure out a way, they figured out a, 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 a wire rig that he could wear. You can watch all of this in the behind the scenes video. It's amazing. But, you know, he's he's traveling so he's moving so fast. And if there was a tiny bit of debris in the air, it could have shot through his eye like a bullet and killed him. So they had to develop contacts for him to, to wear. That would cover his whole eye and essentially make him blind because he couldn't. They were so thick he he couldn't see them. So while he was hot hanging out the side of the plane, he also couldn't see. <laughs> Holy shit! Absolutely banana stuff. I hate to even do this, but like, is Tom Cruise gonna die on a set oh, someday? No, dude, like, I was saying this. 
I, I, you know what? It's look, I look at it. I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm it's obviously possible. Yeah. It's a non-zero chance. Let's put it that yeah. way. I think, I think that's the scene that I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is, this is batshit crazy. Like, like this man is about? nuts. This man is nuts, but I love it. Love it. It's, and like, I love that they cut directly into action. It's cool. It's, yep. it's, it's a really cool choice. I will say, and, and let you guys weigh in on how you feel, but like, so opening with the big stunt, very bold choice. Love that. But then the stunt, the big stunt later, the underwater stunt, I kind of miss the big aerial stunts. The underwater has just, and this is true of Bond films too, underwater has just sort of never... I don't know. It just doesn't have the same level of danger for me. Okay, plus palpable. I agree. Uh, I think it's also because they're underwater, like doing an underwater stuff like that requires CGI. Like exactly, Exactly. and he did do long unbroken takes. You know, he he broke the record for the longest an actor has held held his breath in a single take, which was six and a half minutes, uh, which is absolutely insane. And he did it on this movie, but. It is not, and it's as much as an unbroken wonder as you could do, but it's still like, you know, he's underwater for 10 minutes. Yeah, right. right. So I, I fully agree. I also, I don't look at that scene as like I'm watching him do some epic stunt. It's more like I liked, I like the scene a lot because it's something different for the series, but it's yeah. not as exciting as any of the stunt scenes. And I'm terribly afraid of heights. So like I have a visceral visceral reaction to like roof stuff, right? And then I, mm-hmm. I just don't have it here. You know, it's just more like and it and even, you know, the fact that he did this, that he held his breath, there's so many cuts that you exactly. don't even get to appreciate that he did it. And then plus the CGI, the whole thing just doesn't it, it's that level of danger. It just doesn't feel like it's there. No, you don't yeah. feel like you're watching uh a Tom Cruise crazy stunt in action. You do not. And with this one, it is a little bit hard to follow. I was like, so they're trying to get into the, uh, what are they trying? (laughs) They're they're trying to stop the syndicate. Yeah. Well, this is the one where the syndicate really comes front and center to the series. You got to get the hard drive. And why is it in this power plant? We don't really know. It just sort of, yeah. Except it does introduce us to Lane. Who is just such a fucking great villain? I He's mean, such a good villain. It's from that first fu- scene in the record shop, which what a great way for him to get his message, and then just you know opening the booth, seeing Lane there, kills the the the, the poor girl, and just <laughs> hit, and then we're off to the races from there. I mean, we're meeting, we're meeting uh, Ilsa Faust right after that when he wakes yeah. up, but. Yeah. As well as the Bone Doctor, but the Bone Doctor. What an insane name! I, I, I love that Tom Cruise is the one that is like, "Oh, I've heard of you." Yeah, you're the Bone Doctor. The bone doctor. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I that, also, that fight scene is amazing. Fantastic fight scene. Also, yeah. just like to round out the cast really quick. Besides that, I think Renner's more enjoyable even in this one than in the one prior because he's purely a supporting character at this point. Alec Baldwin is a fantastic addition, in my opinion, to the cast. I Great. I love him in this movie, even if he's playing like the the, the Alec Baldwin CIA head of the CIA who doesn't trust yeah. the IMF and wants it to want, wants it, it's Congress to <laughs> dissolve the IMF or whatever. 
Totally. And we know where it's going to head. I mean, to an extent, we we believe. And, you know, I, I love where his story takes him. And we'll talk more about him in six. But uh, it's yeah, I just the cast in this one is dynamite for my for my tastes. And I think they finally they got it with 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 Ilsa in this. And then, you know, the little spite, the little flare added with Baldwin in there. It's just a hell of a cast. I think that the um the opera sequence is that what you're talking about the opera sequence is amazing i think the car chase is my favorite car chase in the series wow um and i think they have an amazing chase scene in six in fallout but i love 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 the car chase in this where then it transfers obviously to him on the motorcycle and i just i think they crush that scene man i I, I mean, him, really... him no helmet on the motorcycle is really, really good stuff. Yes, it's yeah. This one, this one really impressed me. I thought, I thought it was was very solid all around. I, I do admit, outside of the first stunt that was crazy, it's not. It's such a great movie, but it maybe isn't the most memorable stunt wise. If that makes sense. And I do also feel like we have to say because you already mentioned it earlier, Ian, but. This is the one where I'm like, okay, so the big thing here is that he's like the rogue rogue agent, and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we've we've got glimpses of that since three, like with this like like yeah, like we've, they kind of go all in on it, it on every this one. I feel like, film, but, you know, but but that's it. They try to go all in, but you're sort of like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like like I already feel like we've been here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I will say the the last. The getting Lane into the box yep. is such a good trick, I feel like. Agreed. It's a it's a great yeah. You you feel your own little sense of satisfaction. You, you're like, yeah, fuck this guy. We got him. We got him. I also feel yeah. like for how and him threatening Benji, the this the him Tom Cruise memorizing the entire list <laughs> is amazing. Of he's like, I am the hard drive. <laughs> I'll give you fifty million dollars for Benji's life. It's fucking, it's good stuff. And Benji's Honestly, so scared. If we do a, another episode, town of movie quotes that should be used more often, I am the hard drive has got to be on the list. As well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're not talking about six yet, but um, oh, six is on the Oh, I am the storm. Uh, uh, storm. When I saw that in theaters, I fucking cheered. <laughs> so it was. I think it was the most cheer moment of a Mission Impossible movie in the theater. <laughs> the place erupted. Honestly, we need more exaggerated like code phrases in all films. Yes, yes. yes. And that's one thing these movies does pretty well is like they o- they're always using different codes, but it's but it's always like fun, interesting words or like weird turns of phrases like the beginning of this one where he they're like he, he's like talking about jazz with the girl at the record store oh yeah yeah he's like <laughs> yes yes Sh- shadow whatever played bass like yeah, you know exactly. why they called him shadow because it was like we have something very okay. rare for you <laughs> yeah. yeah no i think it's i think it's a really i i agree with you justin i haven't seen it since theaters which is strange because again my boss worked on this movie worked on this one um uh and i I I found it much stronger than I remembered. I remember it feeling a little bit like 
you know how sometimes like the middle movie in a franchise yes will feel a little bit like oh they this was to get to the next one i remember feeling like it like that at the time yes but i i went back and i think this one does stand alone on on its own pretty well i I agree. And I actually now in like the grand scheme of the whole series watching it, I yeah, I think it stands on its own. And I also think that it it manages to be very big. It obviously has, you know, grown into this big, crazy action series, but also at the same time feeling you know, personal to a degree with the fact that it is the whole, you know, they go full in on the rogue agent thing and it's not necessary. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about it. I was very impressed on my second watch through. I have a higher opinion of it after, after watching it again. It is the Um, first time that the villain isn't killed. Yes. And that will lead us right into mission impossible fallout. Well, you know, they, they, promise Sean Christopher McQuarrie when he cast Sean Harris Sean Harris is like mostly uh he was a, mostly a theater actor and but McQuarrie wanted Sean Harris so badly and he kept convincing him and convincing him and convincing him and finally Sean Harris agreed as long as his character died and then as they were making over the course of making this movie they were like <laughs> I, I can't I, we can't like find a way to kill you in the right way and then finally they came up with like halfway through the movie, McCoy like ran into Tom Cruise's uh, trailer and was like, "I have, I have the idea for the next movie." And and t- apparently Tom Cruise turned around and was like, "Ethan has to break Lane out of prison." And he was like, "What? How did you know that? <laughs> That's exactly my idea." <laughs> and so they oh ran into Sean God. Harris's trailer to tell him, and, and Sean Harris was like, "You asshole! <laughs> I, you asshole!" <laughs> I didn't want to come back. And he's like, I know, but it's the right thing for the movies. <laughs> and he said, yeah. yeah. Well, McQuarrie wasn't even going to make Fallout. He, after making Rotation, he was like, I'm done. Like, I did it. Every other movie had has has had a new director. So I'm done. You know, like, let's let's keep it, keep the franchise in the way that it should be. And Tom was the one that was like, no man like rules were made to be broken like you you are the right person for this come back you have the idea you know how to do this right and and make it the way that i want to make it too god tom i love you i know and that the impetus for this movie is chris mccrory saying yes them kind of having that idea but really what it was was tom and they were like and tom was like so for the last sequence i want to fly a helicopter and McQuarrie was like, do you know how to fly a helicopter? And he was like, no, but I'll learn in four months. But here's, here's airspeed. Here's uh, where's payload. <laughs> and you have enough time in those four months for me. Uh, I will learn how to drive a helicopter and you can go away and write the story. And that was, so they Perfect. were writing the movie to the final sequence of Fallout. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And Fallout was the quickest turnaround of any of the Mission Impossible films. Came out three years after Rogue Nation, 2018. Yes. Um, They do feel conjoined with each other. They do feel really connected. They do. And, And I honestly think it works in their favor because it is kind of, you know, it is this continuing story with the syndicate and 
Mike, I'm really interested to hear what you thought of Fallout. Oh boy, me leading off. Okay, lead it off. Lead it off. Uh, I will tell you. No, I can't. I can't. I almost broke my own rule about like revealing certain things. No, I really like Fallout. Um, I have to tell you. Can we talk about Hobbs and Shaw for a minute? Because Vanessa, <laughs> Vanessa. No, 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 no. I just want to tell you that. Vanessa Kirby is my favorite part of Fast and Furious for the last like 17 years. And I wish that she was in every franchise. She's just incredible. So that was quite nice to see her. Yeah. She's White she's Widow, baby. White Widow. This is uh this is another one that has like a, a distinct lack of globetrotting, which I pointed out earlier, which I think is great. Um I like uh, in terms of like new Ethans, I like in this one that he's he has a lot of lines that are like I don't know. Or like I'm figuring it out. Like instead yeah. of always having the answers, mm-hmm. that's always I, nice. I love that moment in the bathroom where they run into Ilsa. Yes. And, and she's like, you don't know what you're involved in, Ethan. And he's like, I don't know what I'm involved in. <laughs> and he's like, I, I don't know what I'm involved in. What am I involved in? Exactly. <laughs> I love that and too. The, and the bathroom fight scene is great. In general. Oh my God. I, okay. Oh so good. I, my, I'm just going to put this out there. This, when I saw this, this might be my favorite action movie ever made. Wow, I, okay. This blew my mind in the theaters. And every time I rewatch it. It definitely was epic for me in the theaters. And and similarly epic when I rewatched it. It feels like, okay, if this makes sense, and this really actually does not necessarily speak to what how I feel about the film, which I do think is great. But it's it is clearly like the most they're trying to make it the most epic. It feels like. Does yes. that make sense? So it's yes, for sure. And McCory talks about that. Yeah, and and I will say like before we jump into all the different scenes and all of the you know characters, something I really like about this movie is that whereas Rogue Nation we got a little bit away. Which I think was good from, you know, the the plot line of, you know, Julia and all of that weaved in. I like that this weaves her and that story back into things. And we we get closure, I'd say, on that story by the end of this film. And I, I think that it 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 makes Ghost Protocol or I guess even three. It kind of makes three through six kind of this long series that I feel like then we're going to get this epic finish obviously with the final two-parter but i feel like the the julia storyline got its due in this one truly i think they used her in an amazing way yes yeah anyways jump into things and and i'll respond as well well we we have a lot of crews running and jumping on rooftops holy shit best running in the series by far yep. and we didn't we didn't get that in the last film so very much appreciate that and fucking course- shot of him on that. Like uh, you guys know the exact shot I'm talking about where he's just running down that like fucking it's is he even on. I don't think he's even on a roof at this point. Yes, but he is on the rooftop. He, he is on a rooftop. It's, when, it's, it's, a, a, you know, it's in London when he's going after when he jumps out the window. Yes, when he's it's going such a walker. fucking epic shot yeah. of him running. It's and just unbelievable. Yeah. And he broke his ankle. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that shot is truly amazing. And, you know, they I don't know if you guys know this about about movies, but if an actor or a stuntman ever gets hurt on a take, they will the the editor and the and the director will do anything they can to use the take that the stuntman and the actor got hurt or the actor got hurt 
in in the movie. Uh, and they use the take that Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is such a goddamn professional and a badass that he jumped across those rooftops. He broke his goddamn ankle in two places, and he still pulled himself off over the ledge and limped past the camera. And you can see him limping in that shot. He's not putting any weight on his foot. It is, and they they use the shot, but he made sure to finish the shot. It's crazy. The man, oh my God, he's a fucking living legend. But And speaking of him being legend, you've already gone there, but... Any movie with helicopters fighting each other, I mean, just stop. Just stop they, right there. I they mean, that's... couldn't find a country that would let him do that. And wow. New Zealand was the only New Zealand country. stepped up? New Zealand, like, they were, because they were, because it's so unpopulated, they were like, yeah, we will, truly most countries were like, we can't, we're not going to let Tom Cruise die flying a fucking helicopter over our country. <laughs> I mean, truly mind-boggling. I I think the Halo jump is one of the most insane stunts ever done. Oh, I I fully agree. It's I fucking mean, the, insane. The fact that he really did it is absolutely batshit crazy. In the the best unbroken way. one take of them following him, fo- following seeing Walker jump out of the plane, turning back onto Tom Cruise following Tom Cruise down the plane and then jumping backwards out of the plane and following, and you can see his face is just a mind boggling stunt. They did it. So they tried, they only had a couple chances to do it. And because they, they wanted to shoot it with enough light where they could see him, but it still had to be dark enough where it was supposed to be like they could do day for night. So they could only do it during sunset and they had to train because you can't train a a cameraman to be a skydiver. So they had to train the uh, skydiver how to shoot him with a camera attached to the guy's helmet. And so they, and they were doing the stunt and Tom Cruise knew in order to be within focal length of the camera, he had to be a certain amount of feet. I think it was 10 feet from the camera. And so they did it, and they watched playback, and it was out of focus. And Tom was like, I'm doing this right, guys. Like, this is not me. And they realized that because it's all one shot, the ca- so uh, on a film set, there's normally a remote camera puller or focus puller that will sit next to the cameraman or sit off to the side and will be responsible for focusing the camera remotely. But when the camera dropped out of the plane, it all all of a sudden lost connection to the focus puller in the plane. So they had to rig up a new way to for the camera to refocus. They, they had to invent new technology, essentially, just to make sure that Tom Cruise could stay in focus as he jumped out of the plane. Jesus. And it all looks fucking great. I mean, yeah. you feel you feel every bit of that. Of course, I mean, that's the magic of movies, right? Is you don't know how things are done behind the scenes, but you still feel it when you're watching. And that's what's amazing about that scene for me is that like, yeah. you're watching that and you're like, oh my God, Tom Cruise is really doing this. Mind you, it's CGI, you know, lightning or whatever. But 
There's no one else you're going to be able to see do that. There is no other actor in the world that would do that. That's that. That's even close to that big. Yeah. No, and that's why we can guarantee a billion for the next films because the entire industry is zigging, and Cruz yes. does as much zagging as physically possible, and it's it's apparent. It's like watching practical effects in a horror film versus CGI. Yep. God, there's so many. There's so many shots that I want to talk about in this. The the shot of him going reverse on the motorcycle around the Arc de Triomphe. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Through traffic and is a mind boggling shot. Yep. Also, the shot of Lane in the van when they're when they're trying to break him out of the when it's water in the, when it's in the water, in the water yeah, the di- of the, the water going diagonal towards him, towards him, towards him, and he takes the breath. Like I don't even know how they they must have shot that on a rig. I don't yeah. know how they did that shot of the water like being diagonal to him yeah, and then yeah, coming yeah. crashing down on him like a wave. It's a, a my it's it's truly amazing how they got that done. Agreed. We so what do we think about Henry Cavill? I fucking love him in this movie. I'm actually the opposite. So I I like him quite a bit and first I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it's something where as soon as he steps onto the stage, you get the this person is an equal or, you know, almost an equal to Ethan Hunt. The thing that you absolutely never get from Jeremy Renner from the last two films, exactly. you just Im- immediately get it from Henry Cavill. Exactly. And that's you what know? I think is great about their relationship is how it's presented is like, if if it's good, if if Henry Cavill is going to have this turn as the, as the ultimate villain, you can't think that him and Ethan Hunt are going to get along. Because then you're gonna then you're then you get in the Billy Crudup problem of like, oh, I thought they were gonna be friends, blah blah blah, but it was so obvious the whole time that he was the bad guy. From the jump, you're like, oh no, these are two guys that like, like I, Walker would kill Ethan Hunt if 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 Ethan Hunt stepped out of line. So these two guys are not gonna get along. That's fair. I think you know what he does work well as a villain. I think what's tough for me is that. He's just an un for me, not one of my favorite actors. No, no disrespect to him. It's just, you know, personal preference. But I I never buy him as a good guy. It's like when he comes onto the scene, like what you're saying is a good like you're totally right. When he jumps onto the scene, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy could go toe-to-toe with Ethan, which that makes it special. But he's never someone that for a second I really buy as like a good guy. Like he just, I don't know. He just, dude, he cocks his arms. But even when he's presented <laughs> as a quote, even when he's presented as quote unquote a good guy, it's it's saying is like, okay, this guy is he's working for a rival department and he's going to do things in a completely different way. And so yeah, even he's if he's on the assassin, I don't, right, I, so, I never really think of him as a I good just guy. Always, exactly. So he's Maybe on the right I'm crazy. Side. I just he's always not, thought of Cavill's on. acting as a little bit stiff. Like it's kind of like his thing, but it's like I don't know. It just doesn't oh, do it for me. I feel like he's having so much fun in this. Really? Yeah, he gets to be like the big, like literally mustache twirling bad guy. Yeah, I don't know. He's for me. He's like the little. He's my only weak part of the whole movie for me. I think what really makes his character is that he's dumb. Like the whole scene in the beginning that just presents him as basically dumb. Like that he just jumps into the lightning because he just has one mode and it's kill. I yeah. think it t- that's what like lets the character just totally work and be fun. 
Well, and then it's and, like and obviously I, and he I love proves that his anime. idiocy with the with the the face reveal though is amazing. Like where... God, that Benji reveal. I don't know how. It, I think it's like you know every movie can have one miracle. Like I've I've watched that scene a couple times, and I don't know when they do the Benji switch. I don't Looks think it really makes all that sense. Looks but fantastic. It's yeah. such a good and what's amazing about uh, Sean Harris, the uh, guy that plays Lane, is. You know, he is normally, like, very subdued and, like, very in control as Lane. And then when they were shooting that scene, he was, like, going a little bit bigger and a little bit mustache twirlier. And McCory was like, oh, you're going for it. And he was like, oh, yeah, because this is Benji doing Lane. I'm I'm, I'm not Lane. I'm Benji. And I'm doing what Benji thinks Lane would be. And that's a little bigger and more villainous and mustache twirly. And I love that. I love that. Like the thought process that, that even just as subtle as it is, he's like thinking about, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually Lane. I'm Mm -hmm. Benji pretending to be Lane. No. And that's, you, you nailed it, Ian, because the logistics of the scene don't make any sense. It cannot possibly be Benji there. It doesn't make and, and then the CIA sense. showing up and all the lights go out, but it's sti- it is still like, oh, they got him! Oh no, they didn't Exa- get him! Yeah, yeah, right. It still just works. Yeah, it's oh man, it's oh, God. The 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 plot is fucking fantastic in this one, but um, also Alec Baldwin. Just have to say, like, I I love his stint in the series. It's sad that he dies, but it's a great little arc for his character. I don't like Alec Baldwin in the previous film. I mm. don't like the cast. I don't like that he's doing Alec Baldwin when I just feel like we've got better versions of that sort of same character. Mm-hmm. But then when it gets here to his arc, it all feels worth it. Yeah. The the welcome that. to the team I moment is great. Yep. Oh, oh but, so great. but you're right. What's crazy about him being in these movies is he's literally playing like He's supposed to be playing like Tom Cruise's like ultimate superior, you know, like the secretary of the IMF or whatever. He is four years older than Tom Cruise. <laughs> they, they, they were colleagues, like they were action stars at the same time back when Alec Baldwin was doing ice movies, and now Alec Baldwin is like truly his senior, and Tom Cruise is jumping out of planes. And you know what? We buy it. We buy yes. it. So. Can I just say what I think is the downside of this film? Because we've said a lot of good things. I think that watching them in close succession, this movie, it recycles so many plot devices that it feels like a bit of a disappointment. You know, so like the mask doesn't work. Now we have to go with the let's hope they haven't met. Like, okay, that's the exact line and usage from uh, In the Birch, you know, two movies previously. This is Ethan secretly a bad guy. We've just seen that. Rebecca Ferguson basically has the same sort of arc as she had in the last film threatening the wife we've got that in three it it all of it feels like not all of it but there's a lot of elements that feel like they've been recycled so when you watch them together as six in a row it it does feel like there could have been more there you're not you're definitely not wrong that yes. is no, you are not. you are right i will say for my own self i felt it didn't bother me because i felt like this film, all of those plot devices, I felt like they went bigger in this one. And yeah. it and I think combined in the right way without those plot elements like sticking too far out for me because I'm so involved in the action 
and the plot. Can I say that I actually felt like with Rebecca Ferguson's character, I liked that it was such a similar thing because it made me actually question for a certain amount of the movie of like, oh, wait, is she actually going to go bad now? And I was so happy that she just actually was a good guy through and through. And I mean, guys, she kind of has exact opposite objectives in the two movies. Just saying. She, in the first one, she's working for... That's true, that's true, that's true. Working for Jean... For, for no, Ray no, no, because in the previous film, she her whole thing is that by the end of the film, she finally finds a way to get out and be free. And then the start of this movie is there's no way to get out. It is, no that way. is a lame yes. excuse. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's trying to get free again. It's her I, same motivations. Mike, I will admit that line where she's explaining, I was like a little roll eyes. Like, oh, okay, okay. Yes. We wanted to get her back in the film. Sure, just fucking let her be back in the film. Yeah. We don't need this bullshit. And I love that scene in the Grove where like Tom Cruise is clearly standing on like four Apple boxes to take all her Rebecca Ferguson Swedish. She's tall, man. I know. Also, she, she was also seven months pregnant when they were filming the final uh, fight scene with Sean Harris in the in the uh, town in Kashmir. She was wow. seven months and, pregnant. It's all CGI'd out. And can we just say, like, the whole Kashmir, like, you know, final act is just, it feels like the biggest final act they've it is done. The level of tension building. You know, yeah. awesome. It's it's mine. It's just it. It's truly from the beginning. I think is what you're saying is that like they perfectly lay out like this is what we need. Like we need to get the detonator and pull the plug out, and then only then can we can we clip the two bombs. I just and love you, the building of the tension. When you arrive in New Zealand, Kashmir, and you he like goes to walk in the door. And it's Michelle Monaghan. You're like, oh, no. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Your heart drops. It's devastating. And what a way to, like, they start the movie with the nightmare. And then, obviously, you know, him getting the mission in the epic I Am the Storm little, little, you know, (laughs) sequence. But, like, then to finally come, you know, he's had a couple of these odd dream nightmare sequences. She's there. It's just such a great way to tie this movie together. It's like. And he her, just grabs her and says, I'm so sorry. Yep. And then her and, her and Luther's scene is great. Ooh, like, yeah. same old Ethan. Like, and, you know, going through a couple of the things. It just, I don't know, it, it hits all those right emotional marks that don't feel corny to me. It's actually, like, done well. No, no. And, it's it's one of those things that you should see coming, like, a million miles away. But, like, you don't really. Yeah, like, if totally. you Exactly. Oh, no, you're so right. You should 100%. You should if be you've like, ever seen oh, a yeah. film, it's obvious where this is going, and yet you're still like, oh my god, this is her camp. I know. And then, honestly, the final fight when the uh, the helicopter crash, and I love that Henry Cavill's face gets all burnt up. Yes. The studio was, it's funny, the studio apparently was asking Macquarie for a villain that has like a deformity, and he was like, I don't know. These movies are already pretty over the top. We don't need like like a yeah. Bond level villain. But then I love that he pays that off for for Cavill in the end, and having him get fucked up and deformed is 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 such a good bit. Oh, God, such a good bit. And like, dude, also something that we actually never mentioned earlier that it's kind of criminal that we didn't mention. The final scene where Cruz is climbing up the cliff, it's a little reminiscent to the opening scene of two, 
where he's hanging off of the cliff. And to me, you know, I know that we talked about, you know, the stunts kicking off in one, but the stunt that really first got everyone talking was him hanging off the cliff in two. Yeah, sure. And it's the same deal where it's just, you know, a few wires hidden. Yeah. And so it was cool to kind of slight nod to that, I felt like, with him climbing up at the very end there. But, um, you know what we also didn't mention about this movie? What? Wolf fucking Blitzer. Oh, oh my God. God. I've been meaning to say it. What an unbelievable. Okay. This movie, this fucking movie, I would say, has the best usage of the face masks between that and the fucking Benji as, um, uh, Lane. Like, yeah. come on. That, that con of convincing him, convincing that, that, that Dutch. Uh, uh, nuclear Norwegian, Norwegian. Norwegian. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah! Don't oh, you talk oh, about my Dutch God, like God, that? God, Come God. on! Oh, Whoopsie daisy! <laughs> um, that that con is so well done. It is incredible. I love that they got real Wolf Blitzer for it. Unreal. Uh, yeah, unreal. And and just like the like the best use of like this is all games this is all a movie set you know it feels like they're they built a movie set just for this i mean it makes no sense when <laughs> there's like that car accident you were in was an hour ago <laughs> i don't know how they set all this up in an hour but it's so so good when the walls go down and tom cruise's acting in that scene is really amazing because mccory talks about how you know when they were making this movie they wanted the audience to be like, oh my God, did they break a Mission Impossible movie? Like when you, because I remember when I saw the, the, the scene and thinking that these nuclear weapons actually went off at the three religious sites. I was like, oh my God, like this is, I mean, blowing up the Kremlin is one thing, but like Ethan allowing nuclear bombs to go off, it really got me. And you can't really, it's almost like you can't really come back from that. And it turns out they knew that they knew they they knew that going in, and it's it's such a it's such an amazing scene. I love it. I think a big part of what you just said, Ian, is this franchise has the ability to just hook you in and make you not question how absurd it is at most times. Yeah, and that's like the Fast and the Furious franchise has lost me. The Halloween franchise has lost me. Like I can't get into it the same way that mm-hmm. I used to. This one, I don't really care. I never questioned why they could set this up in an hour or Wolf Blitzer was there. I don't even give a fuck, you know? I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm in. I don't care. Don't worry about it. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's so, so good. I think we might be at the end. Let's draft. Let's Oof. draft, boys. So, okay. look, we've gone through all six. We're going to do a little bit of a, you know, Mike, Mike, explain what we're doing here with our little draft here to to draft kind of a definitive order. Yes. So we're going to draft a collaborative list here. So six movies, that's three, I mean, two picks per per person. Um, So we're just going to go round robin. Each of us gets a pick, you know, starting from six up until one. Only caveat is that if someone makes a pick and both of the other people disagree, then they can sort of veto that pick and force the person to pick something else. Yep. Wait, no, is it, is it, one person gets a veto, or if both people agree? No, it's it's both people. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but we don't know the order of the picks, 
the only person that knows is Ian, who's known for two hours, but yep. we have told him not to tell us. So, <laughs> so Ian, who gets the number six pick on our collaborative list? That, that would be you, Michael. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And then it's Justin, and then it's me. Okay. Okay. Here I am, number six. I'm waiting for the double veto. It's going to come right away. Because, and this is also proof that there's no, no, uh, let's say, collusion before the pod. Because my number six, my least favorite Mission Impossible film is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. You fucking nut job. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> you're, you're insane. That's, that's Are you fucking kidding? That's, that's, that's absolutely Batch of that batch of bananas. Oh my! I I, I I'm oh, scared. I'm scared to veto. Scared what this one's gonna be. <laughs> so so I'm sensing a double veto, which means my next pick, my new number six, is locked in. And just to be clear, I'm not like I'm not trying to like play a veto. Like that is my number six. And I'm just gonna give you my number five. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna try yeah, and sure. yeah uh-huh. like bait it. My number five, and now the number six on the list. Is Mission Impossible Ghost Prout? Jesus Christ! I, I would rather I would rather Rogue Nation be six. Sorry, it's Ghost Prout. It's that's just yeah. the collab. No, can we go back? Can we go back? No, we can't. We can't. Wait, 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 wait! Why not? I I actually don't want to go back. If that I I don't like either of these, but I'd prefer Protocol being down there. But this hurts. This is not right, Mike. What Mike, are you doing, Mike? Mike. Just Think because you watched Mission Impossible 2 4,000 times doesn't mean it is better than any of these movies. Says says you. Says you. It's insane. Oh. It's, a, right. it's, it's actively a bad movie in comparison. To I have the- to say, so I like all the movies. So this, this and, no, and there's a my, big. No, no, no. I, there, and there's like a clear, let's say like, like two, no, 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 three through six could be shuffled around somewhat i would say but this is where i settled so we've agreed that ghost pro is six right that's the final this is version. insane <sighs> here's my thing with with ghost pro this is garbage this is actually i don't i do not condone the whole list anymore yeah. no. but okay. with you're that gonna, said let's you're gonna see get where... to give your own list you're gonna get to give your own list we, knew, own... we knew this was gonna happen i know we knew we knew well look let's let's can, let's can just we, go can we just remove definitive from the name of this list <laughs> <laughs> I would. I don't say that it's definitive. I'm not telling you. That it's I definitive. believe that Justin introed it as the definitive. I, it is no longer definitive. We have removed said word. All right. Well, five. I know that Ian is going to be at least on my side, so that means we're pushing through. Number five is Mission Impossible Two. I would 100 percent agree. I would. I would vote for Vita, but obviously Ian's not going to help. That me, is so. insane. How could two be stronger than this? How could two be stronger than any of the other movies? <laughs> yeah. it is so. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, okay so number six you is. You just Ghost fucking Pro. love Australia, Mike. That's that's the answer. You <laughs> love true. Australia. The whole Loves movie set in Australia. Dude, don't even talk to me about how much is filmed in Australia. Like the entire film, the whole oh movie's in Australia. God. Except, and then we got Richard Roxburgh, a great Australian actor. <laughs> this is insane. Oh this is my insane. god! Richard. Have you not seen Blue Murder? Yes, I have never I been know as triggered Richard Roxburgh. from this. I have never been more triggered in an episode. Okay, oh so god. wait, so wait. Let's recap. Number six is Ghost Pro. Number five is Mi Two. So yes. Yeah. All right. So number four over to you, Ian Venture. Man, I'm gonna go MI3. 
Any vetoes? I would have to veto. I, God Almighty. Um, I well, that's that. I it's need, gonna be I tough to because, think. like, I need to think for a moment. I mean, okay. Should I tell you what it's between? I don't know if that's. I don't think that's allowed. Okay, I've already submitted a veto here. Um, it's up to ten. Oh man, see, there's. I'm just gonna speak out my words. Ian, really, don't give me hints. I just need to speak it out loud. Yeah. So for me, on my personal list that I'm looking at, there is one one installment that for me is not as good as three. But if you were to choose one of the others, it would devastate me. So I'm torn. Um, Sam, can I also just add a little bit to the strategy here? Because it's about to come back to me at three. And I'm going to pick Rogue Nation because it's my lowest rated movie and it got vetoed last time. So if that helps anything. Okay. That's a good way to think about it. Let me think. Right? It's my number six film, so I have to try it again. Well, in that case, I'm vetoing. Ooh, okay. Wow. Okay. I'm rolling the fucking dice. Wow. All right. So we need a new number four. Uh, Mission Impossible 1. Boom. My fucking... Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. My veto paid off. Mission Impossible 1 is also my number four. So completely agree there. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. I I, I didn't want to give it the disrespect because it did create these characters, this character and and, and the franchise. And De Palma is a fantastic director and it does some good sequences. But I do, uh, on the rewatch especially, I, I found some of the stuff kind of janky and some of the acting not as up to par as i as i originally thought that it was so fair uh, all fair yeah no ian i actually completely agree i actually went into this thinking that the original was going to be far and away my number one. Oh, really i actually thought it was going to be my number one i like love i loved 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 it growing up i ah. just thought some things didn't hold up and it it like it was towards the bottom of my list yeah which again i still think it's great but i'm, to- and I- I'm totally fine with that yeah yeah um all right, so that so brings me to number number my... three which is rogue natty okay so ian we got to talk strategy before we do anything here it was ghost pro it was six mi2 was five mi was four this is now number three okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. so there's three Rogue Nation and Fallout left. Yes, 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 exactly. Mike is voting Rogue. Wait, what about Ghost Protocol? Oh, no, Ghost Protocol Ghost Pro- I, keep, I, I, I just think that Ghost Protocol should be, like, number two. So, like, fucking... Yeah, so this is hurts. This hurts. So, I will, I will say this, Ian. Before we... Either of us decide, I, I'm going to speak my mind. If we veto, there is a chance oh. that he goes... That Mike goes a certain way, and and I don't know if I'm willing to. I have the next vote. I don't know if I am willing to take that chance on whether he chooses three or Fallout. Yep, yep. No, I'm not. I'm not. Don't so trust we're gonna me. Accept don't trust me on anything. I'm fine with Rogue Nation. I'm fine. Yeah, with I'm gonna accept. I'm it. totally fine I'm, with Rogue Nation. Yeah, Rogue okay Natty locked in at three, over to town at two, which is really the last definitive pick. Yes, and at number two, I am going to say Mission Impossible Three. Boom. Okay, it's that's that's absolutely an insane thing. There's no way three is the second best. Movie. 
in this franchise, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll accept it for the man. This is hilarious. So well, we, dra- you could veto and you could make it number one if you want. <laughs> no. I will burn this draft to the ground. Mike, Mike, question for you. If it was just up to you, would you veto my number two? Yes. All right. So this insane. is insane. In- insane opinions, dude. But our drafted order is number six, Ghost Protocol, number five, Mission insane. Impossible 2, number four, the original Mission Impossible, number three, Rogue Nation, number two, Mission Impossible 3, and number one, Fallout. Hey, we got, we did a, a list all together. Let's quickly wrap up with our individual lists, and let's yes. just go reverse. So give us your list, Ian. I will go Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> it's the worst. Mission Impossible 3. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Road Nation. Well, where was where was the original? Uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, that was uh, that was. Yeah, you did a Mission Impossible space. Right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. It was. Mission- oh, my <laughs> be, my be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was four. Okay, okay, okay. So yours was was Mission Impossible two, Mission Impossible three, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol, Fallout. Man, maybe I. May, you know what? Uh, I, I'm. At, I'll actually switch. Uh, Rogue Nation with with. Uh, with Ghost Protocol, so it's so, so Rogue's number two. Uh, no, 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 no. Ghost Protocol's number two. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So Fallout, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Three, Mission Impossible Two. Okay. My list would be at number six, Mission Impossible Two. Number five, Mission Impossible. Number four, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. What number three? You love Ghost Pro. Three. I love Ghost Pro, but you love Ghost Pro is my favorite quote. (laughs) That's probably going to be the fucking zinger at the end of the app. Um, But like, I love it. In hindsight, going back, I feel like three again starts the emotional core of the story. And while Ghost has Burj Khalifa, does have a great movie overall. In the scheme of the whole series, I some of the characters didn't fully work for me. The villain again, forgettable. Whereas Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of the best. I, I Sandstorm say chase scene is a no from me. What? <laughs> That's a hard pass. It's I don't know. It just I I three was my biggest my biggest surprise. I think of one of my biggest surprises of the rewatch. Anyway, my th- number three is Mission Impossible three. My number two, I was having a very hard time between number two and one. You know what? Even though I'm going to be totally honest, talking through things kind of swayed my opinion. I'm going to go with my original just for the sake of, you know, having some some talking points. Number two, Mission Impossible Fallout. Number one, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. That's that's crazy, dude. I think we did we see Fallout together. Yeah, I think we did. I, look, I... Uh, Fallout might win. I now you're fucking me up. I let's put it this way. I did the rewatch and I was blown away how much I liked Rogue Nation compared to when I saw it in theaters. Yes, I I I felt similarly. And then like Henry Cavill again, like for me does not fully do it, and so like he brought down Fallout slightly for me outside of everything else just being completely epic. So as just like 
I don't know. I, I fucking loved Rogue Nation. I'm going to stick with it for the sake of this, you know, argument. But I'm going my official ranking is MI2, MI, Ghost Protocol, 3, Fallout, and Rogue Nation at the top. Wow. Also, I've realized in the last three minutes that indignant Ian sounds absurdly like toe for grace and now i can't unhear it so <laughs> lis- listeners just get ready while i unveil my list because if, if you listen to my podcast draft from years ago then you'll hear a lot of toe for grace okay six mission impossible rogue nat oh my god you're you're no, I, I told you i was giving you them directly from us five is mission impossible ghost bro <laughs> oh my god Four is Mission Impossible, which I already told you. No, no. Three is Mission Impossible Fallout. No, Mike, no. Michael. Which I at least agree with Ian is the best of, let's call it the second trilogy. Two is MI2. And number one is Mission Impossible 3 by by a wide margin. I'm not mad about three. Two, two as your number two is the single craziest thing I have ever heard in my life. It's no, truly. Come on, that's not true. I've said crazier things on the pod pretty much daily. <laughs> you episode uh, weekly. Honestly, the, uh, Mike, I listened to the episode with your best movies of the decade of the 2000s, and I like lost my fucking mind. Wait, can you give me your best movies of the decade? <sighs> Man, I, I would need to like like get a list. But like, the I was I was absolutely mind boggled by your answers, and this this is blowing my mind just as much. I mean, Mission Impossible Two is a bad movie, dude. Mission Impossible Two is extremely watchable and <laughs> no, incredibly, incredibly. Do we need to talk about Richard Roxburgh? So fucking <laughs> stupid. Ugh. We I'm didn't even talk about it. Brendan Gleeson. All right, I do need to say something though, which is that. It, I cannot be stressed enough that for me, Fallout and Rogue Nation are literally almost interchangeable. That's how top tier I think they are, and to me, are by far the best for me of the series. I agree. I also think I think Ghost Proud is 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 right there too. I do. I I always did. I don't know. I just oh, I love the casts of Rogue Nation and Fallout so much, but. They're look, they're all in a similar league. They're all in a similar league. I, I will say though, I agree with Mike at least. I know he doesn't agree with us that those those four, five, six are in the, you know, top tier league. I think three is not as appreciated as it should be. I think it's really I, I do fucking think it's stellar. also underappreciated. I I I think that some of the JJ style I don't love. I think I got a little Macquarie is the right guy for the job at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. In my but opinion, I I, do, I don't love the way the three is shot. Um, there's a lot of close-ups. It's really, really close-ups. Story-wise and character-wise, though, it's it's one of the strongest. I think outside taking away, you know, maybe the epic, epic stunts and some of the ways that it's shot. I think that three has the second best villain of the series and. Just an incredible cast. Incredible cast. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely with you there on Phil Seymour Hoffman, for sure. Yeah, and... But yeah, a- anyways... You know who sucks? Do Gray Scott. <laughs> I just disagree. Just disagree. I think, I am... you know who's very forgettable is Sean Harris. <laughs> oh my god. You are fucking 
Wait, this is shots have been fired. Shots are being fired all over. I am losing it in the best way. I actually you watch like it like on your phone while you're working. I I did that. I will be. I, will I would be, never do that to MI too. You got to give it at least the TV screen. I will be honest. Oh, like man. looking at our drafted list outside of Ghost Pro being at the very bottom, it's not like the worst list. But that part is just what fucking kills me. I mean, but if you look at the other five ordered, like it's actually, I think, a pretty solid mixing of all of our feelings on the series. Would y'all agree? Sort of. Uh, Mission Impossible 3 being number two is, is tough for me. I'd say, though, if we're talking all three of us in new accounts, Mike's number one. It's my number three. It's your number five. So, yeah, that is a stretch for you. But at least Fallout being number one, I think we all can agree that makes the most sense for the three of us. Because, Ian, you and me, you have it at number one. For me, it really is a toss-up between that and Rogue Nation. And Mike admits it's the best of the latter half of the of Yeah, the series. yeah, it's my number three. It's so it's like... Three. And if it didn't have so many recycled elements, it would have been my number two. I liked it a lot. Okay. Look, I'll, from you, Mike, I'll take that. Because I knew you were going to have differing opinions on the most recent three than Ian or me. And I we knew Ian We were literally joking that you were going to pick Mission Impossible 2 as your top one. I'm so goddamn glad you didn't. I oh can't god. even. T- I watched Mission Impossible 2 twice for this draft. Oh That's how much god. I love it. That's oh my god. Honestly, <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> oh, I will. Oh god. So good. Unreal. Oh That's, god, I love it so truly much. Truly insane. I love it so much. God, I, these. This is just my. This is Mike. Like I, you know, I live for your crazy picks. And am I? The ordering of the Mission Impossible movies is up there for the most batshit crazy of it all in my opinion. Did we talk opinion. about all the capoeira? Can we revisit the capoeira? Is that necessary? Um, can I can I give you guys the, the Rotten Tomatoes scores on Please. these? So Fallout is 97%. Okay. Rogue Nation is 94%. So I'm not crazy in calling those very close. No. At least by critical standpoints, at least. Ghost Proats is 93%. Okay. Mission Impossible 3 is 71%. Mission Impossible 2 is 56%. Which, let's be, let's be fair, not an awful score. It it, it could be a lot lower, honestly. Yeah, probably should be. Mission Impossible is 66%, which is actually, I'm surprised at how low it is. Well, now, and, and when you really think, and like we went back to it and everything, kind of is like pretty accurate like it's a it's a good movie but it's not like next fucking level if that yeah. makes sense yeah audience score 42 percent for mission impossible 2 give us audience score for all of them um fallout is 88 mission uh rogue nation is 87 uh ghost protocol is 76 impossible 3 is 69 impossible nice. 2 is 42 <laughs> Mission Impossible is 71. Okay. okay, here's what I need. I need you, Ian, to text us your list. Top five films of the 2010s. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I, I'll do that. I also need to know where Vanessa Kirby ranks in the list of Fast and Furious characters. <laughs> I mean, wow. There's, there's a lot of characters in there, bro. I'm saying she's the best one that's been introduced since two. That's my that's my take. She, uh, God, 
Ian, you. Oh God, I can't even. Yeah, I can't get into Hodgman. I'm not right saying now. she's better than like you know Vin Diesel or anything like that. I'm just saying of you all think she's the better characters. Than how dare you? Of course she's no. better than Gal Gadot. <laughs> she's, okay. in a, she's in. She's in. She's not even in one of the main movies. She's in Hobbs and Shaw, which I don't know if you know about the writing, but it's top notch. <laughs> wow! Now you're just trying to flatter. <laughs> wow. Okay, I am going to say something. Illusion. No, no, like we, we, I've gone in the Fast and Furious episode over my misgivings with Hobbs and Shaw and just The Rock being just, just upsetting me greatly with the Fast and Furious universe. So but <laughs> I don't need to go back down that road. I will say that Vanessa Kirby in Hobbs and Shaw is probably my favorite thing about the movie. Easily. Oh yeah. She's, she's the best part of the movie for sure. Yeah. Delightful. So, yeah. and, and it's just lovely to see her turn up in this. Both franchises, may I add, that are starting their first part of a two-part ending in 2023. Here we go. That's all I'm saying is when your franchise is on the 17th movie, you bring in Vanessa Kirby, and that's when you get high on my list. That's all I'm saying. These are facts. These are facts. I can't wait to send you guys my my favorite movies of the 2010s. Oh, we're going to post it on our Instagram. Oh, let's go. I can't wait. It'll be a nice little compliment to that episode for anyone that hasn't listened yet. Yeah. Oh, my God. Guys, we've been talking for like two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. this is insane. No, I love it. I love it. Thank you guys so much for having Dr. Action back. I'm happy that I got to uh, bring out my PhD, boss it out for this wonderful, amazing franchise. I just like I always think about like all the years you went through to get that PhD, like so many years of seeing action films. Yeah, of just like and... getting people coffee in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> just to be able to put that that PhD to use finally, though, just incredible. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm... to come on here, just spout some knowledge, and then and then Mike just blow it all the shit with Mission Impossible Two being in number two. <laughs> so even like we can literally just cut this, but. Uh... Can we talk about the new Jerry Butts film that came out like earlier this year or late last year? Which one? What was it called? Last something something. Did I see it, Mike? I'm like, I want to see Plane. Oh, we didn't even talk about Greenland. Did we talk about that on the pod? Huh? Oh, I liked Greenland a lot. I also rewatched Gamer since we last talked. Gamer's an, um, in- an insane movie. Last Seen Alive. I didn't see it. I've never even heard of it. I think it was... Well, over here it was... Um, like Amazon says oh it's like an God. Amazon production, but it's not Amazon Studios. You know, I'm it's looking like, at it right just, now, and this is a must-see, obviously. Or I can't believe you guys haven't seen it. Uh, I won't even – I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, true. We, do we need to see I'm it for ourselves? You. I mean, it's, it seems see, like every, classic Jerry Butts. I can't even believe I didn't get anybody to jump and talk about Hunter Killer for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I just, oh, my God. That, that's so funny. Um, uh, I, You know what? I have seen Hunter Killer. I think Hunter Killer is – Pretty good. I'd... Pretty fucking good. It's a three-star film. I, I I give it a gentleman's two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's very I, fair. But you know what? I love the Has Fallen series. Yeah, those are not good. I, I don't feel you there. Oh, I love that. That's like that's like prime Jerry Butts for me. I mean, to be fair, prime Jerry Butts is actually fucking, uh, what's yes, it called? Dan of Thieves. Den of Thieves is like is like secretly one of my favorite movies of the last ten years. Oh my, Den of fucking Thieves, man! What a great time! It's blue collar heat. Den of yeah, I was gonna say Den of Thieves is the one that's heat, right? Yeah, yeah, it's essentially just heat with Fifty Cent in it. Yes, yes, with Fifty Cent in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're literally they literally watch Heat in the movie. <laughs> Sounds about right. I don't know. Find me a Jerry Butts film that isn't watchable. I haven't yet seen one. Probably maybe like um, the one he did with Catherine Heigl. Dude, are oh, you kidding? Like, the uh, Ugly Truth. Get out of here. I will watch that daily. I love it. Yeah, I Jerry love that. You're Butts. fully on board. Plane is gonna be fucking phenomenal. Geostorm, dude. I'm all in for Geostorm. All in. What about that uh, Tomb Raider movie though? The one with uh, with uh, you know Angelina Jolie from back in the day. Oh yeah, I forgot he was in that. That watchable? I don't think so. I mean, Jerry Ooh, wait, did we talk about Cop Shop? That was, I think that came out oh, since we last spoke. Cop Shop. Yeah, I didn't see Cop Shop either. Unbelievable. I thought you were the doctor. What's happening? <laughs> oh, I know. Are you too I busy got... like working on major films? What's wrong with you, Ian? That's, that's exactly what I'm too busy doing. <laughs> 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 I, I almost didn't finish rewatching these fucking movies. If we could just sort of wrap up the shit show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you have any sort of plugs? Like, what's going on? Um, yeah, so we wrote a movie that is shooting right now in Australia called The Fall Guy. It's an action movie, as usual. Um, it is with Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt and Winston That sounds Duke incredible. And Aaron Taylor Johnson. And uh, it's got a really great cast. Uh, you know, we, we it's a big, massive studio, universal movie. Um and uh, hopefully that'll come out sometime next year, probably in the summer. Um, that sounds wonderful. We have a Dave Batista movie that I am writing right now called Cooler, about a bouncer in Miami that gets drawn into a missing safe full of cocaine and has to, over the course of a weekend, has to fight his way to the safe. Um, so yeah, we got some cool stuff going on. Dude. You know, I can't I'm wait for, for all of that. Dave Batista. Yeah, I'm all in for all of it. Give me that Dave Batista movie. Dave Batista vaguely Roadhouse. I mean, yes, exactly. Yes. Give it yeah. to me. It's like it's like Roadhouse meets uh uh oh my god the Robert Pattinson movie Twilight. <laughs> no, 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 no. What's it called? Good time. Good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of Dave Batista, I saw Knives Out too. It's it's fantastic. So I've heard he's such a scene stealer in it. He crushes. He crushes. The movie was very impressive. I I really liked it. Speaking of Dave Batista, the new Shyamalan film. What are the thoughts? I'm pumped. I'm on board. Do we have another two and a half hours to do a top five Shyamalans? Shyamalan is a good is a good topic. That's a good topic. Next should do that. Tune in. Top five Shyamalan. Yep, let's We're go. going longer. We're going three and a half hours for that. We're one. breaking the next record. I love it. Thank you guys. This was this was so much fun. Oh, dude, we always have the best time with you. I I already am brainstorming what the next what the next idea will be. Um, I'm just shit. gonna obsessively go through lists of movies from the 2010s. You're going to do that, and then you and I are actually going to be hanging out in a few hours in person, and we're probably just going to lament what? the fact that Ghost yep. Protocol is number six. You because... guys are seeing each other today? Yeah. yeah yes, yeah, yes we are. Talk about collusion. <laughs> oh, we're going to collude all night, baby. Oh, the baby. Um, okay. This has been fucking phenomenal. We're signing off. Ian, Dr. Action, we love you, buddy. Love you guys. This was so much fun. So fun. And everyone else, hope you enjoyed it. 
Ethan Hunt Forever, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, July 14th, 2023. Light the fuse, baby. Light the fuse. Top fives and deep dives with town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with town of PTM. We need more white people like Tom Cruise.